Ladies and gentlemen, the story you're about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Except for that guy, Fred. Fuck that guy. He's a real douchebag. This is a podcast. Attack of the Killer podcast. I work here. I'm a podcaster. My name is Insane Mike. I carry a badge. Cops. Cops and horror films on this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? <clears throat> I'm Insane Mike, your host of Attack of the Killer Podcast, oh. <clears throat> and this is episode 187, an episode we call Send More Cops. We will be discussing cops in horror films. Now, our show, Attack of the Killer Podcast, is a group of friends who get together and discuss horror movies. We pick a topic, and we talk freely about films within that topic, so be warned, there may be spoilers. Attack of the Killer Podcast is part of the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The Prescribed Films Podcast Network is a network full of amazing podcasts, (laughs) much like our brand new show called The Gore Lords. That's right. I think they're from Sacramento, California. There's three of them, two dudes and a gal. And uh, you guessed it, they talk about horror movies. (laughs) Yeah, so it's a sweet show. Check it out. That's our 16th show on the network now. So oh, man. It's out of control. We're taking over the internet, folks. <clears throat> you can check that out at thepfpn.com. That's right. That show and all the other shows. Uh, Attack of Killer Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Shudder! Shudder. Finally, horror fans have a place to call their own. Shutter is a streaming service. You can get Shutter for only four ninety nine a month, or forty nine ninety nine for a full flipping year. That's awesome. But I'll tell you what: if you're just still not sure, not ready to pull off that band aid, I can get you. I can hook you up and get you a month of Shutter for free. What? Yep, right here from us here at Attack of the Killer Podcast. All you have to do is go to. Shutter.com backslash podcast and enter the promo code AOTKP. It's that simple. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Do it. I was really hoping you I was really hoping you'd do that. Also, don't forget to visit our Patreon and get signed up for the opportunity to get even more Attack of the Killer Podcast in your life. From bonus episodes to special videos to the ever popular Insane Mike's One Movie One Minute Top Ten list to commentary checks of your choosing and so much more, man. Yeah, last episode was a commentary track that was picked by a Patreon person, and it was so much fun. It was so awesome. Yeah, we've got a lot of positive feedbacks on that episode. Yeah, and so, so you listening right now could make us do whatever movie commentary you want. Whatever movie commentary you want. Please use your power Think for good. Think about that. I mean, it still has to be a horror movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Please. So go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP and pick your tier today.
And now, folks, it is time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He's getting too old for this shit. Jason Bollinger, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so mine. I'm so happy I got that one. Thanks, everybody. I'm so glad you're here listening. Oh, my. This was, this was late last night. Okay, uh, based on the success of the movie Wolf Cop, he wants to make a movie about a half cop, half alligator. It'll be called The Investigator. Tad Good, everybody. <laughs> hey, I, I have a quick question. Is this really episode 187? It is. How'd that work out? Dispatch yeah. code? Yeah. Nice. Nice job. Weird. Investigator. <laughs> his nickname is Dick Tracy, not for his detective skills, because he was caught with a paper and a pencil and then not wearing pants. Andy Wassum, everybody. <laughs> That's where that's how I do my best work without pants on, actually. So. <laughs> and lastly, back by popular demand, our very special guest from the Mind Leaning Ears podcast, Larry Wantanabe. Hey, how you guys doing? So I'm not a cop here. You don't have a, a special <laughs> name for me. It was. I could do a decent Murtaugh. I mean, <laughs> I hear you that one. Never mind. <laughs> like I said, Book of Laro. All right, there we go. That's perfect. <laughs> so glad you're back, Larry. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again once again. Hey, no problem. So before we get into anything, I just want to say I hate fireworks. What? I have, I'm saying it now. Officially? It's out there. It's official. I'm coming clean. I fucking hate fireworks. I don't like them either. It's like, uh, why? I went. Well, okay. Well, first of all, the 4th of July is three weeks long, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and it's still going on as far as I... Uh-huh. I'm just waiting any minute now. It's just so loud and annoying and obnoxious, and like the people setting them off are the people that should not be allowed explosives. <laughs> you know? We go... Uh, I go with uh, some friends every year to, to watch the fireworks from the mall parking lot, which is like... From the back of the parking lot, it's the perfect view, basically almost right underneath where they set the fireworks off at. And it gets worse and worse every year of douchebags just setting off fireworks in the fucking parking lot. And I'm like, you're setting off fiery explosives around all these gasoline-powered vehicles. That takes a lot of intelligence. I just, I just can't take it anymore. And it's, I realize now that I hate fireworks because I saw a meme on Facebook today that said, um, uh, it's the 7th, the 4th is over, I'm so sick of fireworks, uh, I al- uh, one almost caught my Christmas decorations on fire. And at first I thought it was like serious, <laughs> and then I had to, I'm like, damn straight, I hate them too! And I'm like, oh wait a minute, Christmas decorations, oh I get it. <clears throat> anyway. Um, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, dude. Uh, like when I see these these people that go in and out of the fireworks stand like on a constant basis, and then I look at their house, and then there's like this big plastic sheet over their roof that's been there for like three fucking months, and they're they're spending a fortune on shit that they're just gonna set on fire. So I mean, like, where does your priorities lie, people? You know, you're. It it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like setting your money on fire. That's like fireworks are like this the stupidest shit ever. But you know, America. 
<laughs> and for those of us who have dogs, it's really hard to absolutely yep. to deal with. I think I could still be okay with it if, like, it stopped at 10 o'clock. Yes. But fucking idiots are going till exactly. 1 in the morning, and you're like, uh, you're an idiot. Yeah, cut kind of makes it hard to feel sorry for them when they blow off half their hand when they're pissed drunk lighting that bullshit. Yeah, but I've also noticed that Larry's been quiet, so he's probably a big fan <laughs> of fireworks. <laughs> oh, just... yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fireworks. Yeah, they're horrible. That is the word. <laughs> no, the fireworks, you need fireworks, though, because uh, you'll never get great stories, because I used to work in a hospital. Uh. <laughs> and, of course, you, you get all the different stories of people blowing off hands and getting shot in the face with things. and So, um... Yeah, you know, as, as horrible as they are, you know, they still, you know, they're keeping me in business. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> see, and that's just my fear. Like, like, I just get when I'm sitting there in that parking lot, and there's just like this open grassy area, right? And I'm watching this guy who would go out there, like, have one of those big long tube firework things that shoot up and whatever. And he sets he sets it on fire and he runs off and then it goes up ooh pretty loud. First of all, the loudness. I yeah, hate. that's that's my first and main thing. I just don't like loud noises in yeah. general. I know I'm a drummer, but yeah, I wear earplugs. I just yeah, don't. and I, and I feel like I've gotten more and more sensitive to that over yeah. the years. Um, just just the loud noises. Um, so you know it's a personal thing. You know whatever. So if you like them, that's cool. Um, they, I feel like they probably have their place, but it's, they're just not for me. But I'm watching this guy do it, and every time one would go off, as soon as it would go off, the the tube thing would fall over, and <laughs> and there's like tons of kids running around this grassy area playing, you know, kickball or whatever. And I'm just waiting for one of the times when it falls, because he'll 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 set it off, he'll he'll light the the fuse, and then run off. And to get out of the way, I'm just was waiting the whole time for one of those just to tip over before it went off. Luckily, it never did. While I was there, I finally just like I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. <laughs> so, and, and the thing is, you know that this guy's got like about like half the case of beer in him while he's doing it too. You know, <laughs> and it's just like they're it's, it's it never it it just it blows me away, dude. It's just like the people that just are just half in the can, you know, screwing nice around with time. And they're fucking around with like you know pyrotechnic shit, and you know, and and it turns out these people, these these stupid asses, are like the most fertile people on the planet. They got like six or seven fucking kids. I just, just I, I don't. Somebody's been watching Idiocracy. I just feel bad for you, dude. That fourth was three days ago from when we're recording this, so you've been just hanging on to that hate, that anger. You've just been. You talk, you're talking to me? Yeah. Because Andy sounds even more upset <laughs> <does>. than me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I did. No, no, but no, it's longer than I just the fourth, a... though, because the fireworks started happening two weeks ago. That's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and then I have a low threshold for that stupid kind of bullshit. Yeah. Quick way to pull the pin on the Andy grenade. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody out there in podcast land, that's. Still listening to us, if they this, are. This has been an um, editorial segment. <laughs> the views and opinions are not... Okay. You really let Andy's fuse. You did. Oh. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's get on with the show. Let's turn it over to Tad. All right. Well, we're going to get into our first segment called 
what we watched. And on um, this segment, we go around and talk about what we've watched that's not part of the episode. And since it's my segment, and the other guys will tell you their segments are the favorites, I'm just going to go ahead and go first. I uh, usually go last, but I have a lot this week, so I'm going to kick it off and tell you what I watched. Um, let's see. I watched a movie called The Brain That Wouldn't Die <laughs> about a week ago. Um Made my my quick trip to Ottumwa, Iowa, to watch it with some friends named Mike and Jason. I know those guys. Yeah, that was a fun little night. Insane Mike's movie night. Yeah, yeah, and um, you can get a quick little plug in there if you want. Explain what what that is. Okay, um, so uh, Insane Mike's movie night. We do it once a month, first Tuesday of every month here in Ottumwa at Pallister's Brewing Company. Um, you know, we, and it's not just watching movie. We do like trivia and, and, uh, most, I usually put together some kind of related trailer reel and, you know, trying to come up with different fun stuff to, you know, make it a full experience, but yeah, cool little bar lets us set up a screen and play movies for people. And yeah. So, uh, the brain of wouldn't die was our third one that we've done since we started this up. And I was happy to finally make it to one, and I plan on making it to the rest of them as long as I'm available. Sweet. Aww. Awesome. Well, I mean, cool. Tuesday nights is perfect for me, because uh, that's like the one night I always avoid the big theater, because it's the $5 Tuesdays, which yeah. means yeah. all the people who usually light off fireworks in Andy's backyard are at the <laughs> 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 So, I just avoid it. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Brought my friend Trevor, and I think he enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't a bad drive there and back, and I ran yeah. into, um, I randomly ran into a friend on the street in Ottumwa, which is cool, and uh, yeah, might have him in for a movie night sometime. But yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for hosting it. It's a lot of fun. If you're in the area, or if you're a, if you're a listener in Burlington and want to go sometime, you know, hit me up. Uh, I have... Always have one extra seat in my car. You can try to squeeze in the back if uh, you're small. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I also watched, I finally got to watch Under the Silver Lake, which is David Robert Mitchell's follow-up to It Follows. And I think, oh, Jay, cool. Jason, you watched it, right? Yep, yep. I liked it I a lot. It too. Yeah, and it sort of has an interesting story to it because it seems like, I, I first of all, I really, really liked it. But from what I can gather... And what I've read, I mean, this was announced like right after It Follows was was sort of a breakthrough success. And uh, it was sort of like, okay, every time a director, their, their sort of big uh, breakthrough, it's, okay. it's like, what's next? You know, what are they going to do next? And this movie just seems so ambitious, like crazy, crazy follow-up to It Follows. I mean, if you didn't know it was the same, you know, if you didn't read it as the same director, you wouldn't believe it, but... Very, like I said, very ambitious, very out there. And he made this movie, and it seemed like the studio, I think it played at, what, Cannes? Uh, probably like two years ago, maybe, or a year ago. And uh, it got very mixed reviews. Some people loved it, some people absolutely hated it. So the studio basically said, uh, before we put it out theatrically, we're going to re-edit the whole movie. And... You know, people were sort of freaking out about that. And then nothing came about. It sat on the shelf forever. And then it was supposed to come out 
in this like AMC movie series where it would be just basically like one night it would play in AMC theaters. It last April, not this April, but I think it was like April 2018, maybe or maybe I don't, maybe it was this year. I don't know, but um, feels like it's been forever. Yeah. And that date came and went, and the movie never came out. And then it was sort it was sort of like quietly put onto VOD huh. like what, in May maybe of this year without any kind of announcement or anything. It just sort of popped up and people like oh hey that movie's out and it's crazy because you watch it and it's it's a big budget you know well produced well directed yeah well acted everything it's not so it's hmm. definitely not like an independent movie you'd you'd think would go straight to vod not that you know there's anything wrong with i love a lot of the stuff that goes straight to vod but this is something this is like something you expect to see come award season and uh it just sort of went under the radar so uh, it's on Amazon Prime now, so I definitely recommend it. It has Andrew Garfield as the lead, and it's sort of a crime oh. noir. A lot of people are, are saying uh, it has a bit of Mulholland Drive feel to it. It's very, very you know, quirky. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you're a, a film, you know, a film lover, you'll you'll f- see this. It's it's and enjoy it. It's a little long. Uh, felt they could have cut a little out of it because it's almost it's what two hours twenty minutes or something. Yeah. Um, but like I said, completely crazy, ambitious, really cool score. Um, I definitely, you know, I, I don't think it's perfect by any means, but I think seeing what he he followed up like a pretty short sort of unique horror movie with this is is sort of crazy. And mm-hmm. he, went, he he swung for the fences. I think you know <laughs> the, the studio had no idea what to do with it, so yeah. they're basically they had no idea how to market it or how to sell it and. I don't know if it would have done okay in theaters or not. I mean, I don't know how to. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how to sell it because I. It's like I've been trying to tell people about it without spoiling it, and I have no idea what to tell them. (laughs) Yeah, I I really don't know. It's just Just sort of. uh, Yeah, just watch it and enjoy it. Too bad um, it kind of died a little post distro death there, but. Yeah, but it is out. So I I, that was even going to be unsure for a while. So at least it's out. Well, I think having it on prime stuff gets like movies like this get a second life when they get put somewhere where people can watch basically for free. Yep. You know, so many people have prime and I mean, I know I feel like Netflix is sort of like the leader in that where if something goes straight to Netflix, it gets like this crazy, you know, life. Cause people will watch something sitting at home that they'd never go see in the theater. So I'm hoping this one sort of gets a cult following. Cause I think it's really damn cool. But, um, I also, I'll move on. I also watched Midsummer uh, last last Wednesday. Love that. I'm sure. Has anyone else seen it? It sounds like Larry, you have. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it. it. I, Mike I saw it. I have not. Uh, it seems to be splitting people again, like Hereditary. But I fucking loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was yep. a really good. Movie. I enjoyed it. It took me like a a day to, for it to like settle in for me to be like, okay. Yeah, this is pretty awesome. So, it's a de- definitely see this movie. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about it since Andy hasn't seen it and it's only been out less than a week now. So, yeah. uh, no spoilers. But and I, the one thing I hate doing, which is exactly what I am doing, is like comparing it to <laughs> Hereditary. Yeah. You know, don't want to be that guy that's like, oh, you know, but uh, Ari has sort of come out and sort of said it's like a companion piece. So, I mean, he's sort of really? asking. For yeah, is it an A twenty four film as well? Or yeah, uh, oh, okay. And they put it in a ton of theaters compared to like Hereditary and, and most A twenty four movies. It's one of the 
widest releases they've done, which yeah. is uh, good and bad. It's getting it's getting uh, did okay number wise, but it also is like per theater not doing great. Yeah, if that makes sense, like it's it's in so many theaters that it's making its money back, but it's not making a lot of money per screen. So I'm curious to see. Right. I'm always curious about distribution to see if that's a good sign or a bad sign. It's hard to read because it's like. Yeah, it's in a ton of theaters and it's doing okay in each of them, but you know, I don't know if a, if a more limited release and doing better in less theaters. I don't know what's better for them. But yeah, um, I really thought it would do have done better than it did. I mean, it, it surpassed its budget. The numbers I got was like a nine million dollar budget, and it's done eleven in the first right. weekend. So it's yeah, passed it, it's, but I thought it would. You know, I, I know it's going up against like Spider Man, but. Yeah. I mean, everyone we talked to at your movie night last week was so stoked for it. Even people who don't Normally, really go see yeah. movies, they're very curious about it, you know. And that someone, I heard someone sort of saying, you know, oh, the marketing, you know, sold it as a straight horror movie and it's not. And it's like, if anything, the marketing was <laughs> dropped up the interest because people are so damn curious. It look, the trailers yeah. alone are, are batshit, you know. And it, you watch it and you're like, okay, I don't know what the fuck this is, but I need to see it. And I so, and I uh, definitely say if you can catch it in a theater, it sure is pretty. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I saw it at nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and you know what? And you would think people who would go to the theater to see Midsummer at nine thirty in the morning would be like film lovers, but no, I still had to tell someone to shut up in the oh, theater. Oh man! Wow. Was, it, was yeah. like an old person? No, it wasn't. Uh, probably upper 20s maybe mid 20s kept talking through the movie uh, my wife oh, shushed her someone else shushed her then finally i was just like you know what she would that i believed i believe i didn't hear what she said but she started talking again and i think what she said was geez how long is this movie and then right after that i said shut up <laughs> and, then, and then yeah they shut up for the rest of the uh-huh. movie yeah. it's like how long is this like uh too long you should go bye yeah <laughs> commentary <laughs> isn't yeah exactly it's, it's weird like i we went and saw it the night it came out at like a nine o'clock p.m showing and it was just us no one else in the theater and uh th- i mean i i love and hate that i love that no one was there to bother me but i hate that no one else was seeing it right but yeah. uh but it's weird because i saw hereditary by myself when it came out in theaters and I was like having, you know, super not quite an anxiety attack, but my I was super <laughs> anxious because it was a packed theater and people brought their kids. Oh fuck, Jesus! Yeah, and I was Whoa. like, what? I was like, oh, this is gonna be worse. like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna flip that place. You could have, you could hear a pin drop. It was silent. Those kids were scared shitless. They were, they would not make a sound. Like they were probably not even breathing. They were so scared. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, it was good to watch it with a group of like-minded people who appreciated it and you know sat through it and didn't weren't were asking how long it was so uh <laughs> yeah it's those loudmouth fuckers in the theater are the same ones that are setting off fireworks at two in the morning <laughs> yeah so if it go to five dollar tuesday so yep. if it really is a companion piece then i would vote that i wish people would watch this first then hereditary i think it would ramp oh. up ramp up to hereditary myself is i think would uh, be my vote but yeah, without without spoiling anything, I think uh, the the movie before the title even comes on screen could be its own short film. Oh yeah, but um, 
I saw mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think that's sort of all my, all the genre stuff I saw. Wait, no, I saw. Stra- I watched all Stranger Things season three. Yes, yeah, mm. I'm halfway. Yeah. Do not. Andy's do upset not because he has to wait. <laughs> I know I should be watching. Yeah, the uh, the girlfriend. Well, not the girlfriend. The wife. The wife made me wait. I'll, right. I'll edit I that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, the uh, the wife needs to get back from her overseas trip, and she made me wait. So yeah, I have not seen it. The only thing that I know right now is. Um, uh, the only thing that I didn't know about, but and I stumbled upon it because I was purposely trying to avoid things. I know that. Uh, uh, since I saw on the Crypticon page that Jake Busey is actually in this, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only thing. That's the only thing that I know. So, dude, just watch it. She won't know. Don't tell her. Just I was just gonna watch say, <laughs> I, I I can't tell you how many times I've rewatched shit because I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. Bearing, <laughs> bearing in mind I'm believe- single, Andy, but just watch it. <laughs> well, believe it or not, I mean, I may sound like a hard ass, but I was like, I have like. I don't handle guilt very well. I just tell the truth. I just, I, I, you know me, I just shoot from the hip. So I'm just like, I cannot, I can't lie. To, I don't lie to you guys. I don't lie to anybody else. I'm, sure, I'm not going to lie to my wife, you know, because she can smell, she can smell like, you know, anytime I even slightly fib, like there's shit on my shoe or something, man. She can smell that a mile away. So. I mean, what's the point of getting married if you can't hone your lying skills? I mean. Oh my God. Don't listen to him, Andy. Again, she'll be home soon enough. Very single. Very single. Um, so yeah, yeah. Stranger Things three. Uh, I enjoyed the season. Um, uh, it felt a lot like a long commercial for everything eighties. But then again, the eighties were so like Always. consumerism. Like everything was yeah. right face. So um, it feels fitting. And the Jesus Christ, the fucking music they probably had to pay oh, for it. Oh, my same. God, right? Like, yeah, they could have made a, a feature film every episode. Every for the new scene was a fucking soundtrack-driven scene. And yeah. it, and one song in particular makes it the best soundtrack. I don't, no, no spoilers, right. anyway. So basically it was like what MTV actually used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched a couple things that weren't really horror. I watched yesterday, which I don't think I mentioned that last time but good? uh yeah danny boyle i loved it it was uh i, danny I thought boyle. it was very clever yeah danny boyle directed yesterday the beatles movie and uh oh that's right i thought it was done very like when you watch the trailers you just sort of think you know okay this the, the, this, the main plot is that this kid you know something happens and when he comes to um, the Beatles no longer exist in the world, and so he basically has to reintroduce the, reintroduce the world to the Beatles. He has an opportunity to pretend that he wrote all these classic songs, but it's done much. There's much more to it than that, and um, of course, in uh, Danny Boyle fashion, it's very clever. And there's there's some fun little nods in there and stuff, but it's it's cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, I really, I, saw, I really want to see oh, sorry, it. it. I was just gonna say, I really want to see it. The trailer look, trailers look awesome. And as before, I even noticed that it was Danny Boyle. But is this like a new trend now of of like music inspired uh, films? Because we saw a trailer when we saw Midsummer for I forget the name of the movie, but oh, the Bruce Springsteen. One? Yeah, the, about this like uh, kid who just completely becomes obsessed with Bruce Springsteen music. Indian kid. Yeah, and, yeah. Which looked good. The movie. Look, that, I think they're looking to make good. a Bowie, a Bowie biopic too, ain't they? Like, 
calling it like Stardust or something like that? They were trying to. His son is uh, is a big time director. He did. Um, God, now it's like his name is like Duncan. Uh, but he did like he did like <laughs> gears the Gears of War or, or some Warcraft. I think is what it was. He did one of the big video oh, game yeah. movies. Oh. And uh, he was sort of like you know. If anyone's gonna do it, I why wouldn't you ask me to do it? But um, he's like, but if you asked me to do it, I wouldn't do it. And <laughs> and he holds all the the rights to his dad's music. Like he has mm. to give any permission to use any of it. And he's mm. come out and said, you know, yeah, they're writing it and it's actively being produced, but they're not ever getting a single like note of my dad's music. So they're gonna have to do it without any any David Bowie music. Which uh, yeah, that wouldn't work. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see it then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like... I think they did that with the Jim, with Jimi Hendrix when they had Andre 3000 play him, and they didn't get the rights to any of his music, so uh, you guys probably didn't even know that movie existed because no nope. one saw it because it didn't have any of his music. <laughs> there you go. And then the last thing I saw was uh, Tim Burton's Dumbo. I fell asleep like an hour into it <laughs> because I've, I've, I've seen this story. I know the story. And, you know, the only thing that made it unique for a Tim Burton movie was that there's no Johnny Depp in it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the absence of something. Although I cannot guarantee that he was not, you know, wearing like a green yeah. suit to play the, the elephant. So yeah, right. Probably, yeah. Right. <laughs> So that's what I saw a half hour later. I, I totally pulled a page out of Jason's book. Now that I have time, I can watch it. Yay. So uh, let's get to Mike. What did you watch? Well, yeah, speaking <laughs> of a page, that's what Jason... Got Jason's pages. got two. Jesus. All right, well, I'm going to knock a couple off of his list then because yep. I also saw Midsummer and I really liked it. I think... I think oh, from here on out, if I'm going to watch an A24 movie, it's got to be in a movie theater. I think that helped you a lot. I now. think so, too. I, I, I still think that maybe there was a, a, a little bit that need, that could have been trimmed out, for you know, but I just feel like even it's, you know, slower, slower pace, I, I actually feel like this is an instance where the slow burn, the slow pace actually... It helps the story. It's part of the storytelling. Unlike some some of the stuff that I see, that's all artsy and whatnot. I feel like it's artsy for art's sake and doesn't feel like it services anything. And that's when it to me it's not art anymore. But it had a natural <clears throat> slow flow and on, mm-hmm. on, yeah, unraveling the story and this trip and mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Then the other one I saw with Jason, to take one another one off of his list, was we uh, we saw the uh, new Child's Play movie. Heck yeah. And I freaking loved that. I saw that too. I forgot that on my list. Nice. Oh, anybody else? Uh, what? Did anybody else see it? Yeah, I saw it too, unfortunately. Oh, Larry. Oh, no, that's Larry right. Didn't he like didn't it. like it. I remember him. Finally. And you know what? Yeah, we, were, we were in a theater by ourselves too. Like, no one was in there. And uh, I, like all my defenses were relaxed, and I'm just sitting there getting ready to enjoy the movie. And I guess you know it just didn't work out that way because I just keep asking the same question of why, and I just don't think this movie needed to be remade. Um, and then if you are going to remake certain movies, might as well just go balls out with it, which they definitely had potential to. Potential to do at the end, um, 
I don't want to ruin anything, but everything goes to hell. And they really, really, really could have just made that a masterpiece of a, a of a time because there's just so much, so so many things they could have done with that. I mean, you're in like a department store and you have all these things, you know, and there's and they they could have gone balls out and they didn't do it. And I just think it's probably just because of the budget. Mm. I don't know. I I really enjoyed it, and I I I liked the uh, I liked the updatedness uh of it um you know like chucky is kind of i mean i'm always gonna love i always love chucky and i always love brad durf chucky you know and the original chucky's i don't care what anybody says and it actually would get on my nerves when a lot of people and um not just in the horror community but you know normies too would be like oh what's so scary about chucky he's just a doll you can kick him over well i think they addressed addressed that pretty well in this movie and the fact that you know he's he's more than just a doll in this movie. He has the capability to basically be almost everywhere. Now you know there's a, there's some suspension of disbelief. I th- I feel like you have to uh, you have to give with that concept, but um, and just how relevant it is with like things like Google Play or Siri or who or whatever. You know that we're getting into the technology where one device can control almost your entire house. You know, I, I I think that was like a genius move to incorporate that into uh, into this uh, killer doll movie. So, yeah, so I really loved it. I mean, yeah, again, suspension of disbelief. You know, this woman, this single mom who works at Walmart, and she just happens to have all the devices that can still connect to the Chucky doll. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> like, she could afford that. But I don't know. Maybe she had I it all mean, before the uh, the her. You know, when she was still with. Did, you, did they ever say she was she, she was married or was always, I don't know whatever whatever you know I'm not gonna nitpick because I because I really I really enjoyed it I thought it was awesome and Mark Hamill it's great is always great if you're gonna replace Brad Dorf if you're gonna replace any iconic voice it's it should be Mark Hamill that <laughs> takes it so get the guy from Corvette Summer always a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, and what else, so, then the only other thing that I watched without Jason, um, where did my list go? Uh, there it is. And it's not a horror film, but, uh, you, um, you guys heard of that, uh, that Russian superhero movie, Guardians, came out in 2017? Yes, I've yeah. seen it, seen the poster at least for it. I, I've been wanting to see it for a while, and it was, it's, so it was on, um, um, Tubi, so I'm like, oh, sweet, so I watched that, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was neat seeing a, seeing a superhero movie of a team of superheroes where it wasn't like, it it felt way more like a comic book than even most of the Marvel movies, to be honest, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Marvel, um, Marvel cinema movie fan. I know I'll watch them all, but you know, it was a lower scale, you know, it wasn't some like big, um, universe, apocalyptic kind of uh thing that they had to solve you know it was it was a little more local the bad guy looked like he was a a, a character ripped out ripped literally off of a page of a comic book um i have a feeling i I really want to learn more about this movie just it's because i wonder how much they were either inspired or literally stole from um from american comic books uh because Marvel Comics has a Soviet Union superhero team 
And one of the characters on that team, his name is um, Ursa Major, and he is a guy that can turn into a giant uh, <coughs> anthropomorphic bear. And in this movie, there's a character, one of the superheroes, is a guy who can turn into a giant anthropomorphic bear. So I'm like, that's a little weird. That's a little too on the nose. You know, and then there's like a scene where the bad guy takes one of the heroes, lifts him up, and smashes him over his knee, breaking his back. And I'm like, that is... That's a Batman Bane move right there. That's straight out of the Batman comics. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, so, but it, yeah, it's fun. It was, it's a dubbed version on Tubi. And the, you know, it, it just reminded me so much of early dubbed, poorly dubbed Jackie Chan movies. Like mm -hmm. the, the audio is so inconsistent in the, and the dubbing and the dialogue. You could tell. When people are supposed to be intent, you know, supposed to be intense and whatnot, but yet you could tell it's just actors reading lines, sitting in a chair to a microphone, because there's like no intensity going on. So, you know, it's kind of nostalgic for the dubbing, but at the same time, it, it really hurts the film too. But man, I, I loved it. It was fun. Jeff definitely. So he's kind of like Michael. So it was kind of like Michael Winslow from P Police Academy doing like you know the <laughs> the dub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, that's all. That's all I watched. Who's up to bat? Oh, go ahead, Andy. All right. Um, uh, I have a few things here. Um, coincidentally, uh, since this episode is about police officers, I will talk about a movie where the police officers just straight don't give a shit they're, because they're kind of off for the night. I watched the first Purge, and. Nice. Uh, I was first time? Uh, uh, well, yeah, the first, first time I've first. seen the first purge. Uh, like not like the Ethan Hawke one. This is actually entitled the first purge. Yeah, yeah the last one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the last. One. Who's on first? And, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was surprised to see uh, Marissa Tomei in here. Um, well, maybe not so surprised. I mean, she's probably you know need need some work. Uh, tell oh, you come the on, truth, she's making um, that Marvel money. Come on. Uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, I thought it was uh, it was okay. It's not my favorite one. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I'm not in love with it either. Uh, I thought it was just uh, kind of like uh, it just seemed like you know par for the course. I mean, it was just another it was another purge movie to yep. me. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, for what it was, it was, it was, it was okay. Uh, it, it was my least favorite out of the series too. And I love the series. So, um, yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm probably a little more forgiving than I should be with, with this one. Um, I felt like it got way, just way too much into the political side of things and, and you know, yeah. and whatnot. And, uh, you know, when they first came up with this franchise, I'm just like, that's, I just want to see. I just want to see purging. That's all. I don't care about the political <laughs> uh -huh. part of it, you know. And I'm never a huge fan. I'm not really a huge fan of when a film series starts going backwards in their storyline. So the idea that you know it's the first one, so they're kind of going back. At the same time, again, I can be forgiving because I just feel like, and I've said this since the minute I walked out of the of the uh, very first Purge movie, the one with Ethan Hawke. Um, when the minute I walked out of that theater, it was like, what is great about this is that they can literally go anywhere with it, and I would mm -hmm. be okay with it. So, and so I got to stick to that. I still haven't seen the TV series though. 
Same. I yeah. I have not ate either. Um, I also watched uh, the Arrow release um, of the Driller Killer. Oh, oh, nice. And Jason's that's favorite. a little. Yeah, that's a, that's a little old school. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. It's not my favorite Abel Ferreira film. No, uh, not by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, I think probably the most disturbing thing is to see him woof down pizza. That's just like it was just <laughs> nauseating. <laughs> uh, it it was uh, yeah. I mean, Miss Forty Five is just you know leaps and bounds yeah. above above this film in oh, my oh, opinion. Oh yeah, but, that's that's still my favorite uh, of his. Um, and I think Fear City is better, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate this one. Um, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's okay, you know, and all these are like in my library. These were on my to-do list. These are things that I have purchased or, you know, got it like half price books and stuff like that. But, uh, it was, it was okay. And it was the Arrow release and I was, I was drawn to it because I like all the bells and whistles and stuff. But, uh. Yeah, it was it was okay. Next up, we have a made-for-TV movie with uh, Tom Hanks. I watched Mazes and Monsters, and I like I li- I love like all the old made-for-TV movie stuff. And I forgot that uh, Chris Makepeace was in this, and he it was also in another horror movie. You guys know what that one is? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know who Chris Makepeace he, is. Uh, yeah, well, it, I mean, it's it's kind of obscure, but it's uh, he was in uh, Vamp with uh, Robert Rustler. Ah, uh, the Grace Jones flick, uh, where it's basically it's Dust Till Dawn, technically, because uh, they go to a club, and they turns out this this strippers stripper vampires. But anyway, it's not important. Uh, uh, basically, uh, and. Uh, Mike and I were talking about this earlier. It, it this took place during the uh, <coughs> satanic panic, you know, phase during the eighties, and how you know a lot of parents were you know causing an uproar about Dungeons and Dragons and oh, yeah. uh, how, how it poisons minds, and it's all satanic and this and that. And this uh, movie that's based off of a book was like actually. It was based on a true story about this kid who was into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and he got lo- and he got lost, and he, he ended up missing, and he ended up eventually killing himself. But uh, they also didn't go into the fact that he was actually struggling with his sexuality, and he just he had a lot of mental problems in general. But I mean, Dungeons and Dragons was like the, the perfect scapegoat at the same you know during this time, and uh, this movie is loosely based off of that, but. It's basically about how you know the Tom Hanks character loses his mind, and uh, he can't distinguish you know from his character and uh, reality. Kind of a cheesy you know old school uh, made for made for TV movie. It's it's kind of, it's kind of fun because I, as I was watching it, um, you know there's a taxi ride there, and it's it's a point of view from uh, the writer uh, Tom Hanks, I believe. And they're going through, you know, uh, New York, I believe. And they're seeing, like, you know, these double features on the uh, the marquees of these old theaters. And, like, the double features, like, Empire Strikes Back and Creepshow. 
And I was just like, I, I would have never left that goddamn theater. <laughs> and, um, and of course, they, they got posters on their they got posters on their wall of like uh, the Road Warrior. I caught that, and they got posters of uh, Blade Runner. So these kids in college had very good taste. Uh, next up, we have what I can best describe is the Australian version of Street Trash, and it's a movie. Sweet. Yeah, it's it is I was actually really surprised. I mean it's 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 a little bit it's lower budget like that too. Uh, like the way Street Trash was shot. But instead of like, you know, booze, you know, like really screwing people up, um they're kind of tricking the public uh into think it because it's a health product. It's like, you know, like uh shakes and just like uh like uh like vitamin water and shit like that that they, you know, stir up and it's uh, it's called Body Melt. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it is what it is. I mean, you just really kind of got to watch it. I mean, it's just, that's I like it. I, my mind went to, it basically, it's an Australian street trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oddly enough, I saw this on the Vinegar Syndrome web- website and I was interested, but... Uh, I ended up finding this uh, this DVD of the director's cut at a Goodwill in Hutchinson, Kansas, wow. on my honey. And I was just like, "Shit, dude, I'm gonna check this out." And I ended up really liking it. So, yeah, Body Melt. Next up, I have a, 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 a newer movie that I really, really liked. It's a film by Chris Von Hoffman, and it is called Monster Party. Have you guys seen that yet? Not yet. Um, basically, uh, it's these group of uh, really young uh, thieves, and they they get they kind of wedge themselves into this. They their their niches. Uh, they they're servers at this very very uh, uh, very posh mansion where there's parties going on. And they can, you know, circumvent, you know, alarm systems, all this and that. And they want to rob these people. But it turns out the reason why they're having this party is that it's uh, kind of like an Alcoholics Anonymous for uh, serial killers. And they say, I haven't, you know, killed anybody in like two or three years. And, well, you can kind of guess what happens, you know, from that point on. Like, these kids are like fighting for their lives because like this whole you know, mansion is just filled with people wanting to kill them. There's one uh, guy that's a counselor, you know, that's trying to, you know, get these people to chill chill out, but once they do, they just, they get nuts. And uh, I wouldn't say it's near as, like, bloody as, like, a film like Revenge is, but it's still, it's still pretty good, and it's got, um... God, I can't remember the name, but he played Doctor Doom on the Fantastic Four. I don't, I can't, I don't know his name, but uh, Robin Tunney is in it, and she plays the wife of the of the house owner. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's you guys should check it out. Monster Party. I think it's on Shutter now, too. Yeah, check it out. I I found I got that one on my honeymoon as well. We found a. Uh, uh, Multimedia store for you know old Nintendo games and stuff. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. The next next up we have. I just bought this recently at Half Price Books. All Hallows Eve with our favorite buddy Art the Clown on the front cover, and I I enjoyed it. Uh, basically, for for what it was, I mean, it's you know I think Terrifier is better, but. Yeah, it's a story about this babysitter on on Halloween, where we heard that before. Uh, and the kid brings home uh, his candy, and he's got like a videotape in the bag. And basically, she starts watching this videotape of like these these horror films, but it's all centered around Art the Clown. And uh, eventually, Art the Clown makes his way into. Uh, her world, and yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's a lot more um, supernatural than what Terrifier is, which you know, I was just like, eh, you know, I can I can forgive that a little bit, but uh, and that's why I like Terrifier more because it's just some crazy guy in you know this abandoned car- apartment complex, and I just I lo- I really love simple plots anyway. Uh, sorry, you know, I got, I, I'm turning into Jason. I got a lot of movies here, but <laughs> last, 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 last one here. And this, this one I, I bought on VHS and it's one of these, you know, old school, uh, MGM big boxes, which I love all the artwork on it. I'm on a, I'm on kind of like an old school, uh, Charles Bronson kick. And I watched a movie called 10 to midnight and it's about a serial killer and, Basically, I think they based him on the basic character on Richard Speck because he breaks into a uh, like a like a dormitory full of nurses, which is what Speck did uh, back in the '60s. And you know, trouble is lots of lots of male nudity because this guy doesn't want like want to bloodstain his clothes and like leave anything anything behind. Uh, Bronson doesn't get naked. I was kind of pissed off about that. So. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, and it's it, it's a it's a canon film, and I I'm, I kind of like uh, I kind of like crappy films. I guess I don't know. Uh, but oh, and Jeffrey Lewis is in it. Uh, and that's pretty much the only other recognizable name. Uh, the guy from Banjo and Sullivan that gets his face cut off. Poor guy. Uh, but yes, 10 to, 10 to Midnight is the last one I'm going to talk about. I watched other things, but those relate more towards horror. So, All right. Well, I guess, what's that leave? Jason? And Larry. All right. Well, let's go with Larry because... Uh... <laughs> Save Jason for last. You know, it's a whole episode on him. So, Larry, what did you watch? Uh, I did go see Midsummer also, and I, I did like it a lot. Uh, the new Spider-Man movie also, that was fun. Uh, but the movie that's really stuck out for the last few weeks and that I, I find myself talking about a lot is the, the Danzig movie that was released earlier in um, June called Veronica. It's the movie he directed... And he acts in, and oh no, he doesn't act in it. He wrote it and shot it himself, and everything. And it was premiered at the Cinepocalypse Film Festival, like opening night. And it 
was an experience. You know, it was probably like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> but knowing that Danzig is there and not knowing that made it even grander because we all know how Danzig is. He's just full of himself and he's not self-aware. And just to sit in that theater while this movie's playing and just having it be so horrible and I started just watching people's reactions to things and it was just a real it was a real experience and now that I'm coming off of it and laughing about it all, at, that whole time now I'm really kind of just sitting back and and thinking about other people's experiences there and how you know um, people kind of really jumped on this this bandwagon of calling this movie the next room which yeah it it definitely will be um, but at the same time you have to remember that Danzig did this movie all of himself pretty much and like he financed it and he had the final say in everything which I, I really got to give it to him you know he he wanted to make a movie and he wanted to make it his way and he did it so um, but yeah it was a fun time um, any, any questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a uh, uh, it was like an anthology film. So there was like the first segment ha uh, featured uh, this large breasted woman who had uh, eyeballs for nipples. <laughs> and when that scene happened, like the theater erupted in laughter. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, supposed to be like a serious horror kind of movie. You know, I don't think Danzig's too into comedy uh, other than that one appearance on Portlandia. I can, I couldn't really think of anything else. And he was there too, and that—that's the thing that uh, <laughs> it was just you know you're watching this movie and you know that he's watching it with you, and that's just uh, that's that's crazy to me, you know how I I couldn't think of myself putting myself even out there like that. So I, I once again I have to give him credit for that. Um, but other than that, yeah, the movie was fucking horrible. It sounds exactly <laughs> like, literally like a horror movie version of The Room, you know, because it, when it premiered, Tommy made like a big deal of it and went, and then when the audience, you know, erupted in laughter the entire time, he went up and was like, you know, I'm glad you guys like my comedy, it's very funny. You try to play it off like he meant for it to be a comedy. Uh, well, Danzig, yeah, he did a Q&A also, but he was... Serious. He was like everything in that movie was serious. Because halfway through, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, the movie's supposed to be this way. The acting is supposed to be this wooden. The effects are supposed to be this bad. But it, it from ad afterward, where he was, you know, um, as answering questions, like, no, this was all supposed to be the way it was, like a serious kind of horror movie. And Did he? Did he acknowledge the fact that everybody laughed and it was, like, received as a comedy? No. No. I don't think he gets it. <laughs> I don't really <laughs> gets it. And I knew this. I knew it was going to be a train wreck, even before the movie started, because uh, I was... Uh, the movie started at 7, and I got there early to get my tickets and everything, and because this is the start of the festival, and Veronica was going to open it up. So I'm there, I'm like, okay, uh, I'll have a cigarette out front, you know, wait for this thing to start, and then there's like uh, these two guys who are together, and they're talking to someone there with who was organizing the festival, 
And then this kind of reporter came over, like an independent reporter guy with like a microphone. He was like, he goes to one of the organizers, like, hey, there's this Danzig movie, huh? And then the organizer's like, oh, yeah, look, uh, these are the two of the producers. Go, uh, why don't you interview these guys? And so I'm standing around eavesdropping. I'm like, all right, this is going to be cool. I got to check out what they're going to say about this movie. What's it all about, you know? So the the, the inter- interviewer goes to him, uh, hey, man, can you tell me what this Danzig movie's all about? And one of the producers, I see him take a big, deep breath and go, oh, man, it's just a bunch of crazy fucking shit, man. And mm. at that point, I knew this movie was going to be crazy and horrible at the same time. Because <laughs> he didn't say a thing about what's in this movie. He just said that it was crazy and that Danzig had all this control over it and everything and that it's from his comics and whatever. Really couldn't tell us anything else other than that. So that really just hit me off to tell me that that night was going to be magical. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was. Like, Jessalyn, she totally missed out on <laughs> because... I came home that day and I was like, hey, you know, let's go, uh, Veronica, Danzig. She's like, nah, I'm going to stay at home. I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know, I'll go by myself. I don't care. <clears throat> but yeah, man, she missed out. Her fault. Yeah, I think it's played a few other festivals since and it's gotten a similar reaction. So everybody's very curious to uh, see it now. Yeah, and people should be. It's, it, it, it really is the room horror version <laughs> I mean if you think about it they do look pretty similar now uh, Wiseau and yeah, he, he, yeah he's the goth uh, Tommy <laughs> <laughs> but that's about it for me um, I saw a bunch of other films at Cinepocalypse uh, Villains was a really cool movie I, I call it a mix between People Under the Stairs and True Romance Mm. With the uh, Maka Monroe from It Follows and Bill Skarsgård from It, those was, was really good. Uh, the Lodge by the people who did Goodnight Mommy, which I hated, but I loved The Lodge. Uh, it was a really, really cool movie with Riley Keough and um, the kid from It, um, the who plays Bill. Uh, is it Bill? Yeah, Bill who plays Bill in It. Uh, that's, that was really good. Um, and then there was a pretty cool animated, uh, like South Park movie called Attack of the Demons. And it's done all with like construction paper animation. Uh, and it's really an homage to like the movie Demons and the thing. Uh, So that one, I would say check out. So plus about like 20 other films too, but I mean, I'll be up (laughs) Yeah, I'll put Jason to shame. So, um, yeah. so that's it. Hey. You can hear all that on his episode on my bleeding ears. Oh yeah, yeah. We go through. Yeah, we saw almost every single film at the festival. Like I planned it out and scheduled it, and yeah, it was it was a great experience. So yeah, check it out. It's a uh, it's a funny episode. I made a completely separate episode for the movie Veronica too, which <laughs> I start from my first introduction to, to Danzig all the way up to the movie Veronica. Oh. <clears throat> Both cool episodes. Well, thank you, thank you. All right, well, I guess um, everybody get comfortable. Yep. <laughs> Jason, oh. what did you watch? Well, for- fortunately, y- y'all got a couple of them. I only have a few. 14. Um, so there was... Uh, there, 
So there's a new uh, podcast on our network, the PFPN, called The Movie Defenders. And I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a fan of all the shows on our network. Um, but one of their latest episodes uh, that they, once they joined the network, uh, they did The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. You know, the one with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. And, and like, I already liked the movie a lot. I mean, I already liked that. I liked them more than the Sam Raimi ones, which I also liked. But And so they didn't have to defend it to me, but just hearing them uh, go through the movie and, and talk all about it got me so jazzed to to bust out my Blu-rays. And so I watched watched Amazing Spider-Man, and then I couldn't stop there. I had to watch Amazing Spider-Man 2, and they were so dang good. And, and, and they, they talked about how they – and why – they rebooted the film so quickly, or so you know the reasoning behind it, and when we just had the Sam Raimi ones, and 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 why they stopped. But anyway, but then so they talk about a lot about they're they're planning on doing a summer of Spider-Man. So and then you know Far From Home come out, so I had to watch Homecoming before I go see Far From Home. So I watched that, and then we went and saw Far From Home, and it was freaking great. And uh, I loved Mysterio a lot. I liked his costume and his... Sweet. He was super great. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, I also watched The Brain That Wouldn't Die and St. Mike's Movie Night. It's one of my favorites. I forgot to mention that, that I watched that too. <laughs> you slept through part of it. Yeah, I did not. I look over and Jason's slapping you to wake up. Once. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> That's our routine. You, if, anyway, speaking of 1962, I also watched Carnival of Souls. Ooh, is that first time viewing? No. Oh, okay. But it was the Rift Tracks live version. Ooh, a live one? I almost yeah. scolded you for putting Rift Tracks on your list again, but I didn't realize there was a live one of that. I'm going to have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, there's a live one. I think, I think that, one was, that one was on uh, Pluto app. Oh, man. And also on the Pluto app, I watched MST3K King Dinosaur from 1955. That's a Burt I. Gordon film. That's right. B.I.G. That's right. Um, and then I also watched Midsummer. Freaking loved it. You know, Hereditary was my favorite film last year, so I was super stoked for it. Um, nothing else. I don't want to spoil it. I just I enjoyed it. I, lo- I, I said to these guys when we got out of the theater, one of my favorite things was that because it was such a wide release that I think maybe my favorite thing about the movie is that so many normies were kind of, were going to go see this movie and I know they aren't ready for it and that made me so happy. <laughs> uh, um, uh, the new Child's Play, I too thought it was freaking awesome. I loved it a lot. I watched the uh, new Robert Rodriguez film, Alita, Battle Angel. Mm-hmm. Oh, produced yeah. by James Cameron. I forgot. Uh, I forgot. And Robert did Rodriguez. That. Is it was it good? Was it was it? okay. I yeah. I should watch it again. I think I want to watch. I might get the Blu-ray when it comes out, just because uh, the version I watched was a little crappy, but um, I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like most fantasy type stuff, so it was pretty good. Yeah, but I also know you have a love-hate with Rodriguez. I, I, I was just going to say, I'm not sure that I noticed a Robert Rodriguez anything to it. But Well, did he write it? I don't remember. 
I didn't write. I didn't write that part down. Because sure. as much as I, I think he's a great. I love Robert Rodriguez, and I think he's a great filmmaker. I don't think he's the best writer. I don't think he's a very good writer. He's, well, so he does James, great when it's other people's material. But James Cameron and Laita Calagritis wrote it. Okay, but it's, ba- it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was it was awesome. I, I liked it. Um, I also watched on Shutter the this uh, Party Hard Die Young. Um, that's the new one they were pumping out this week, promoting. Um, directed by Dominic Hartle, who did Attack of the Lederhosen Zombies. Ooh, I thought it was Andrew WK who directed it. Sounds like a, one of his albums. You're thinking of, of the music video <laughs> for Party Hard Die Young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay. It was it was just a bunch of kids that graduated and went off to Croatia and supposed to have the party of their lives and shit goes wrong. Um, but it is cool. It was all right. I also watched uh, for the first time Night of the Living Deb. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Um, it too was on Shutter. Um, it's directed by Kyle Rankin, who did Infestation. I know you talked about it recently, like in that movie. But yeah, um, it was super cool. I I wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be as low budgety, but I really liked that part about it. You know, it it felt like you know one of us not not us because it was pretty good, but one of us could have made it. You know, like it was. I don't know. It was really cool. If you haven't seen it, it's on Shutter. Um, two left. Okay, so I also for the first time watched Scream Four. Oh, you hadn't oh, seen wow. it before. Hadn't seen that. Nice. Well, after two, love, after two and three, I, uh, I was like, man. Yeah, three, three, three is is why I didn't do yeah, go back. But and then had I, enough time, and it's Wes. You yeah, always got to give. And that's you know, just it. Enough time had gone by that I'd forgot that Wes directed it. And I know it was written by Kevin. I hate you, Williamson, but um, but I forgot that Wes came back to do it, and so it really did feel like an awesome sequel to the first one. It had the same vibes. the The opening shit within, within, within was so hilarious. Oh yeah, that was funny. Like, God damn it! When's it the Culk- real movie? Has a, has a Culkin in it? Yeah, and he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. And before I forget, and okay, um, go ahead. No, I'm just saying. Before I forget, the new Scream series starts tonight, and for the next three nights. Oh, cool! I didn't know if you guys even knew this existed. No, I didn't. Well, the but Scream you, TV mm-hmm. show that was on. Well, you MTV? know they did. Yeah, right, they did two two seasons of that, right? Yeah, and I watched the first, and it was good. Yeah, first so they they this is the third season, but it's not at all connected <laughs> to the first two. Okay. They recast the whole show. They brought back the voice of um, Ghostface. They brought back the original mask. Huh. Uh, oh. So this play- takes place in the movie world. Oh. And they filmed it like two years ago. Like it, it was filmed like right after the second season. And then it sat on the shelf forever. MTV didn't know what to do with it. And just like probably like three oh. weeks ago, they announced they're just dropping it on VH1 over the course of three nights. So tonight will be a two-hour. They're going to show... Like two episodes tonight, two episodes tomorrow, two episodes Wednesday, and that's how they're releasing it. Cool. Hmm. So yeah, Crazy. yeah. 
anyways, go ahead, Jason. Well, in our um, bonus episode last week, we talked about what our favorite cops were, and no one mentioned Dewey. <laughs> More of a doofy guy. Yeah. Oh, jeez. He's a fun cop. <laughs> and then, um, lastly, uh, probably one of my favorites that I watched, um, and it also really ties into this episode, is I finally, for the first time, watched Cop Car. I don't know what oh, that is. Oh, Kevin Bacon? With Kevin Bacon and a couple mm. kids. Um, it was, oh, I know what movie that is. Yeah. It's, it was written and directed by John Watts, get this, who did Spider-Man, Homecoming and Far From Home. It's right. all coming together! And do you know what else he directed? Clown? That fucking yeah, awesome. That's right. Oh, yeah. I forgot How about that. How did the that. new Spider-Man guy do Clown? How cool is that, right? Well, it's, Mar- Marvel got James Gunn. That's I mean, right. come on. Yeah, so two two this movie's so cool. It's like ultra low budget. It's like maybe five what is it, five million bucks. And it's just these two little boys. You just start out with these two boys and they're just walking through the fields, fucking around, saying curse words and being little punk kids and they just stumble upon a police car that's empty. That's abandoned, do you think? And and they are little shits so of course they get in it and they drive off with it and then uh oh there might have been stuff in the trunk kevin bacon comes back for his car it's not there he goes after him man it's it's a great great little movie anyway i I liked it a lot um that was one of my favorites and it tied into the episode where did you see that at gotten's on netflix sweet i may have to check that one out i remember Hearing about it back in the day, because it's like a couple years old now or something, isn't it? Yep, that came out in 2015. Uh, and just the premise, and yeah. like I'll, I'll I'll never remember the name, so when you said the name I had no idea, but I heard the premise, and I'm like, oh, that sounds like that could be interesting. And now you got me even more intrigued to check yeah, it out. Yeah, it was super so. cool. Anyway, that's what I watched. Hmm. And that's everybody. I guess that's what we all watched, which was uh, its own episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of movies. What's our what's our topic? Oh yeah, cops and movies. So we got some doozies to talk about. I'm gonna let Jason go first and tell us about our first movie this evening. Yeah, since I'm all warmed up now. Um first movie we're gonna talk about. Oh, so awesome. I love this movie. It's from two thousand six, Slither. marry someone, you promise to love them forever. Baby. No matter how much, <laughs> they might change. Brian? Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a bee sting. From Universal Pictures. Great, is sick or something? Comes a film so shocking. Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting. Don't let him in your mouth! It will change the face of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond, for better or worse. Much worse. <laughs> Chick is hardcore. Wrong with me. Slither. 
Speaking of James Gunn, we're th- we're uh, more callbacks. Bringing it back. Wow. Segway. So Wheelsy is a small town where not much happens, and everyone minds its own, their own business. No one notices when evil slips in quietly, but when people find out find mutilated livestock and a woman goes missing, Sheriff Bill Party, played by Nathan Fillion, discovers an alien organism that threatens to devour all life on Earth. That's right. 2006, James Gunn. God damn, Mr. Pibb! Got Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, Jenna Fisher's got a little part. Lloyd Kaufman has a little cameo. There's a cut scene with him, too, when he um, gets first drug into the police station, if I remember right. Um, so I think he actually had lines in that deleted scene. Oh, I, I, I assume he had to have. James Gunn makes a little cameo, too. James Gunn makes a cameo right, right, right at the beginning. Right away. The, and yeah. the cam- teacher. Yeah. And yeah. The, the cameo I didn't know about is that Rob Zombie provided a, the voice yeah. of Grant's physician, of the- Dr. Carl. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He gets Rob to do a voice in every one of his movies some, for oh, some reason. Yeah, that's right. That. Yeah, I forgot. Like, oh, I don't remember what he does in Guardians, but... He has, he, I think he does a voiceover on one of, on like one of the... Maybe in the prison or something. I don't know. I don't maybe. remember, but he does, he does something. I don't think I've seen this movie since 2006, and holy freaking crap, I loved it! Oh, yeah. Again, it's still <laughs> so good. Like, it sucks that this movie bombed. Well, it didn't bomb, but it didn't make back its money, so it failed, and it's so unfortunate because it's so gosh dang good. But what's cool is, like, regardless, <laughs> James Gunn has a career now. You know, this could, I mean, yeah. it could have killed it. Didn't, it. Yeah. it didn't kill I'm it. I'm sure so. he was in director jail for a while, but. Yeah, because he hadn't made anything, as a director, hadn't made anything again since or since then. I think Super was next. Which yep. didn't help him either. No, but I love that movie. Yeah, you know. But I don't know, and I, I think that's I think that's one of the cool things about about Disney and the the Marvel movies, man. Just taking taking risks on some of these guys. You know the talents there, but yeah. Or or they just like well, this guy's made a couple shitty movies and didn't make any money. He hasn't worked in a while. I, I bet he'll do exactly cheap. what we tell him to do. All right. I noticed that a lot of the uh, a lot of the extras. I mean, they were very. They seemed trauma esque to me because I know that's where he got his start. I mean, did you guys notice like the really creepy guy with like no top lip at the beginning of the movie? Yep. It's just like yep. it's just like oh. straight teeth. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Those are the uh, guys lighting up fireworks in your backyard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good. I'm about. I'll, I'll give him some gasoline. <laughs> improve, improve his looks. Uh, James Gunn actually did between uh, Slither and Super. He did PG Porn, which is a hilarious uh, series he did. I don't know if you guys seen that. Oh, I've heard nope. of it. I've never saw it. Definitely worth checking out. And then uh, before Guardians, he did a segment in Movie Forty Three, which I have no idea how he got. <laughs> he did this and still got Guardians right after. Amazing. What segment in movie forty three? We were I was just, just talking about. We were that. just talking about this with somebody, somebody else over the weekend. I think it, uh, it says Beazle. I'm looking on IMDb. I don't know which mm. one that is, but okay. I think he wrote quite a. I mean, he was he's credited as one of the twenty four writers, and you know, the, each segment was a different director. But man, 
I saw that movie in theaters and talk about a piece of shit, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I, his was the last one with the animated cat. Is is that? Yeah. Oh, I, that is right. I just You're heard right. About uh-huh. that. And Elizabeth Banks is in that yep. segment as yep. well. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm one of the very few. I actually like that movie. <laughs> oh, I love. I mean, I love shit movies. So yeah, I enjoyed oh, the hell yeah. I've seen in theaters. But it is definitely a piece of shit. You know, he makes a movie like that. He got his start from trauma. Yet some Disney exec got up in arms about something you did on Twitter twenty years ago. It's a, such a weird fucking I'm world. Glad that right corrected now. itself. Yeah. Though, right. Oh yeah. Thank goodness. Well, it's because they realized they were being stupid you know and when they start having some of their main actors from the movie start start complaining about it too you know maybe they, they finally woke up and started listening so um was this i know movie? this oh, go ahead i was gonna say this movie sort of uh now it's, it's weird because when it came out it was widely loved by the horror community but like you said sort of was a commercial flop <laughs> um but it's it's strange now because i feel like like I said, it was, it was you know loved, and you guys love it. I love it, um, but oh. now I see. I feel like it gets a lot of flack. People are like, "Oh, uh, it's just a uh, rip off of Night of the Creeps," which oh. I'm like, other other than a slug creature, not so much, you know, a remake at all. But I, f- I see that all the time, and I hate it. I hate that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more going on than just than just that. And didn't he have not seen it when he wrote it? I don't, right. Does it matter? You it know, doesn't. I don't think it matters. Like, maybe he was inspired by it. Why can't we have two right. two alien slug movies? What's wrong? Is that is that a problem? Can it be there's judged a, on its own merit? Exactly. I'm I'm sure there's a couple of vampire movies out there. You know, <laughs> totally. <laughs> was this anybody's first time viewing? It it feels like a first time, but it I mean, does. I saw it so long ago. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, I forgot how many freaking great one-liners that are in this movie. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, for me, m- the line of the movie, he looks like something that fell off my dick during the war. <laughs> <laughs> favorite, favorite line of the movie for me right there. And I love the fact that the Brenda character is watching the Toxic Avenger yeah. Uh, yeah. while she's with her kid. And, um uh, uh, wow. Uh, and, and that's what's great, you know, like, James Gunn doesn't forget his roots, and is proud, I think he's still prou- very proud of his roots, I mean, he mm-hmm. put Lloyd in, you know, the first Guardians movie, and in this movie, he's got Lloyd in it, but you also have, you know, what's her name, Brenda, watching the Toxic Avenger on the TV, you know, um, and, you know, there's just... You you could just uh, get a feel for trauma, uh, trauma inspiration throughout, um, especially more of his um, personal work. You know, stuff that he's written, and directed himself. I also got to say that the effects in this and this uh, Grant's transformation, the progression of it is, I, I thought was was really really good. And just when he sliced that guy in half with his, oh, you know, whatever, that tentacle shit. Hell yeah! Good lord, that's awesome. Um, and and for me, the 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 guy who makes this movie is is the mayor. I freaking love the mayor in this. You know, 
uh, like you said, complaining about his Mr. Pib, you know. <laughs> and I watch Animal Planet all the fucking time. I've never seen shit like that. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. It, it just, the, yeah, yeah, it's one line after another, man. It's so good. He's such an asshole character. You just hate him, but you love to hate him at the same time, too, just because <laughs> he is so funny. He kind of does steal the show, which is, I, I feel like, a pretty big task when you got Nathan Fillion in your movie. Well, I thought that that's what I thought about Michael Rooker. He's so bad, but he's, like, so great. You his, know, he, as Grant Grant. His character is kind of weird to me, because, like, him, obviously, he once he becomes the alien host, he, uh, you know, he's the antagonist. But I can't, I can't quite put my finger on the first act, if they are trying to set him up to be, like, kind of an asshole character or not. I think so. You think so? What, what? What is his only asshole move? Getting drunk and almost having sex with that other girl, but he stops himself and says, "No, uh, you know, I can't do this to my wife." No, he's too controlling and shitty to her. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, he's too. I, uh, all of that is still. It's wrong there. And not I think okay maybe. And yeah, he's a bad guy. He's, po- he's possessive. Just. And they, they allude to the fact that he came in and scooped up a very young, impressionable girl. Uh, you know, we don't see that, obviously, the backstory and how they met. But they yeah. definitely make it clear that he was a scummy, creepy old man that that groomed a very young girl. But at the same time, once he starts turning and turns into the creature and he gets all like... Uh, Laffy and giggly. I can't not hear his character from Mallrats <laughs> when he's fucking with the, cho- the chocolates and shit. I'm like, yeah. he's giggly, and I'm like, that's what I hear and see. So, which is comedy all the way, but well, it's interesting though. Like thinking of this now, I feel like, especially maybe even closer to the uh, to the end of the film, that even though you're not going to really sympathize with the monster. Um, but he maybe he's a little bit more of a simp- the monster side is maybe a little bit more sympathetic of a character than the than the human one. Hmm. You know, because when it boils down to it, like Elizabeth Banks, you know, the only reason why she survives the whole movie is because the the creature is in love with her. Now I don't know if that stems from the alien. Um, you know, playing off of um, Grant Grant's memories, right? Uh, you know, infusing with that, or or if or if like the alien himself falls in love with in love with her as well. I don't know, but <clears throat> did any of you guys see this in the theater? No, I, don't I missed think it. So. I wish I would have, but I don't think it. I'm trying to remember if it even played here, because if it did, I would have seen it. I'm trying to remember. I've watched it several times since it came out, but for some reason, I'm thinking that it might have been limited. No, I now I'm thinking I might have seen this in theaters. Oh, yeah, I made sure to see it in theaters, because I, I knew James Gunn before, um, because of the Dawn of the Dead remake. He mm-hmm. wrote that movie, and at first, when that movie, uh, the Dawn of the Dead movie was uh, announced and uh, the previews came out and you got to see who wrote it and it was Sean Gunn and then you look and see what else he he had written before 
and the first big credit was like one of the Scooby Doo movies. <laughs> so yeah. automatically, you're gonna question like, okay, so he wrote this Dawn of the Dead movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, is being remade by this guy. So I was like, all right, well, I'm still gonna go see Dawn of the Dead, and I did, and I liked it. And then I was like, all right, well, I'll I'll, I'll think of James Gunn, you know, um, I'll I you know I'll give it to him. And then I saw that this movie was coming out, Slither, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to give him, that's the chance he earned for me. I'm going to go check this movie out. It looks cool. I read some of the reviews, and uh, I was like, and I was very impressed by this movie. I loved it, and I've probably seen it about 12 to 15 <laughs> times. So. Awesome. And Michael Rooker, man, he uh, yeah. he's one of my favorite actors. And I actually got to, I met him one time at like a, a comic convention, and uh, I got, it was like a wizard world, and I got in the line really early, and there was still like a line forming before he got there. And, uh, you know, time's going by, and I was waiting in line, and usually they're a little bit late to get to their table to start signing autographs and everything and taking pictures. So I'm just sitting there, I'm totally starting to geek out, because, you know, I love Michael Rooker, and... I, I pull this airplane move for some reason. I go to the woman next to me. Uh, she, she was like, what time do you think he's going to get here? And I was like, I don't know, but lady, I'm starting to freak out right now. And it reminded me <laughs> of, that, of that time in the airplane where uh, the guy goes into the bar, that, that pirate bar, or that, that, uh, that sailor bar, and he asks the guy next to him to pinch me. And it, that really felt like that moment to me as I'm waiting to be Michael <laughs> And so, and I finally do get up to meet him, and he's all happy and everything. He likes, like, there was a person in line who was in a wheelchair. He, like, grabbed their wheelchair with them in it and started going around the convention with them and came back to the table, and that's right around the time I came around, and I went to him, and I picked one of his pictures up from Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm -hmm. That's his favorite movie that he's from. And I was like, hey, um, can you sign this? Uh, could you just write fuck the bears and because i was like you know tell him how much my brother and i love the movie and everything and how we mess with each other uh from different scenes in the movie and um so he started to write it out but since i said brother and bear in like the same amount of time <laughs> he wrote on the picture uh fuck the brothers <laughs> and so he looks at it and he's like oh shit fuck the brothers well, I hope he gets it, and he gives me the picture, and then I like, I like, okay, I hope so too. Uh, whatever the joke was, <laughs> and then uh, I just ended up getting a picture with him, and then I went outside and like had to smoke a few cigarettes because I got to meet my close <laughs> friend. So, yeah, def definitely, uh, this is probably one of his best movies, Michael Rooker. Yeah, I I met him at a Wizard World. Which one was it? It was uh, Chicago about four or five years ago. Yep, I was at the same show. Met him there too. Uh, he, did you, he did did like you a, pinch Larry? Oh, no, no, <laughs> uh, I I didn't even plan on meeting him or get in line or anything. What happened was uh, he did like a panel uh, for like Guardians and sort of everything, and it ended and everybody sort of scattered and it was sort of getting late. It was after the autograph room had sort of closed and no celebrities were in there. But um, we were sort of staking out to see where people's tables were for the next day. And uh, we were walking through the autograph area. And Michael Rooker just walks through by himself. And he's like, what's up, guys? <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, hey. You know? And he's like, 
you guys want some autographs? I'm like, I do now. And I, <laughs> and he's like, how about some how about some pictures, man? I'm like, cool. He was like, I felt like he was asking for a picture with me. And he was like, wow, the, just the nicest guy. And he's like, come on over. And I'm like, uh-huh. how much is it? And he's like, oh, I'm not on the clock. Just come over here and get a picture. And uh, oh, that's cool. We like got a picture, wow. and he's like, he's like, let me see it on your phone. And he showed. And he's like, let's get a better one. He's like, yours a little blurry. And got another one. And he, he was like. You know, just asking where we were from and what was up, and then like by the time like me, Nikki, and my my little group of like three of us had talked to him for a while, I think people like heard his voice because it carries, and people started coming in, and he's like, "Well, have a good night, guys," and he took off like, and he just sort of vanished, and it was like, "Oh, that was cool, that was like a <laughs> cool cool interaction," because he was he wasn't even supposed to be at his table, and he was off the clock. He wasn't even you know he was probably head to dinner or something and he made sure to come over and to chat with us so it's like it's like a he just disappeared into the night he just <laughs> appeared out of came out of the shadows took pictures with your phone signed shit and just vanished yep took off into the night and that was when like he was um you know really i mean it was like right walking guardians dead. and walking dead yeah so he was like you know i mean he still mm. is a huge name but it was like everybody recognized him from those two things and it was a huge huge thing so it was just cool such a nice guy awesome but yeah slither awesome love it (laughs) yeah so good great movie yeah Sweet. I, I I will I will say this. Uh, one thing that I did notice when the uh, when the townspeople are like morphing into Grant, you know, at the end inside the yeah. living room, I was like, my mind immediately went to society. society right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Shunting. There has to be some inspiration in there too. I was kind of flipping through trivia and stuff, and I guess James Gunn was quoted about like. Um, Honoring such films as like The Fly, Basket Case, Return of the Living Dead. There was another one in there. Movies that he yeah. loved from the eighties. But uh, I but you know, so when he's when he's like name dropping movies like that, it makes you think, well, I wonder if society may have been a little bit of an inspiration as well as Night of the Creeps and So damn cool, like uh you're saying the transformation when they when they catch him in the woods trying to, you know, he's killing the the cows and they approach him and he slices the farmer in half with, like, his sharp tail. That, that just the creature design on that is so fucking cool because you can just, still you can see Rooker in the, in the makeup, you know, he's recognizable, but holy shit, he's so different. Just like you said, the fly, like, now that you say that, you know, you yeah. definitely, you know, later stages of the uh, Brundle fly, you see that. And then the, my other favorite scene is when they they he he uh, lures them into the uh, barn with the uh, you know younger neighbor girl that he's as like huge fat blob thing is so awesome yeah yeah right before mm-hmm. she explodes it's so fucking funny because she's like I'm so fucking hungry you know <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it just has such a campy humor to it um, but it's done so well so cool. That's probably one of my favorite scenes too in the barn when she explodes and uh, between that and yeah that that Mr that Mr Pibrant from the mayor always always stands out in my mind and Nathan Fillion's reaction he's just got Nathan Fillion's reactions are just so funny throughout this whole movie but his yeah, reaction he's got, to that he's got is good like, timing yep 
his reaction to that little ranch just like Jesus Christ, I'll get right on that, you know, about the Mr. <laughs> Get him in the Mr. Gib. I think my favorite thing is is just the effects in general. It's just I love. What's cool is a lot of that. There's there's a few CGI shots that don't really hold up, but for the most part, I feel like it it holds up. It all holds up pretty yeah, strong. From the first fucking tentacles coming out, you're like Jesus Christ, that looks fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and and the the deaths are really great, you know. Yeah. And, uh, the road, the road post, you know, bitch yes. is hardcore. It's just so good. Another one of good. my, one of my, another one of my favorite lines from the movie, bitch is hardcore. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it, you gotta see it. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. Highly true. recommend. So that, yeah, so that's Slither. Um, let's go over to Tad. What, what movie should we talk about next? Our next movie is something that uh, is perfect for tonight's theme, and it's Wolf Cop. My God. myself when I'm a wolf. You did seem like freakishly strong. You had those claws and those teeth. Plus, you know, you were drunk, so I knew it was you. Hello? Hello? My. What big teeth you have. That's not all. Cop, I mean, do I really need to say anything? <laughs> I uh, think the title is the description. Yeah, pretty self-explanatory, but it's basically, um, you know, bad, just like every werewolf movie, and I'm not, uh, let me let me explain, it's not like every werewolf movie, <laughs> but it has some of the stereotypes where, you know, shit's going down, people are, you know, dying, there's bad things happening, and, you know, we're trying to figure out who did it, just like every werewolf movie, the, the uh, werewolf's not aware he's doing it. And our werewolf in this movie happens to be an alcoholic cop. And he, you know, we, we find, he finally figures it out. And there's some funny little things in here. We find out that some of his, uh, like, it's almost like a superpower, his alcoholism, which I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that they do this. But, um, man, this one's just so ridiculously dumb and fun. Um the practical effects are really damn cool. The, I mean, he. What's cool is that he's, you know, with his alcoholism, he's um, aware. He can be. He can Wolf. be a werewolf and be 
aware wolf of um <laughs> but he, he, can, he can function he can okay here's a better way he can function when he's a werewolf so he can transform and then still do his duties as a cop which is which makes it so ridiculous because he, he has the mind to put on his cop uniform and still do his job, but he's a fucking werewolf. And there's a ridiculous sex scene. Um, in the jail cell? Yeah, yeah, in the jail cell. I mean, he tries, you know, he does the old classic, like, I'll lock myself up and protect everybody else. And, you know, it obviously that never works in any movie. But, uh, <laughs> I, of course, I, I cannot watch a movie... If there's a Joe Bob Briggs version of something, I'm yep. going to watch that version. So I'd, I've already seen this like when it originally aired, and I rewatched it with Joe Bob. Uh, he always adds something to it. Um, his rants about, what was it, Saskatchewan? Yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Uh, just makes some, I mean, this, this movie is absolutely a drive-in, you know, Joe Bob Briggs movie. So, yeah, Wolf Cop. I, I love it. Uh, I still have not seen... Uh, another is it called another wolf another cop? wolf cop yeah. i believe so yeah i still haven't seen that for some reason even though i've seen this one probably five or five or more times but uh when we do send more even more cops episode we'll uh <laughs> yeah we'll, you know the second wolf cop <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask how many of us here when we watched it for this episode watched it with the joe bob because i sure Me. did yeah i i did not I I got to I got to say that Willie Higgins makes this movie for me. I mean just oh, yeah. everything he says is hilarious. You know, it's like ever hear a met- ever hear a heavy metal and he says like what? Lead, fucking mercury. You know. <laughs> yeah, I just shot I just shot Lou Garou. He's a fucking wolf. <laughs> it's just his I mean it, what he's saying is not like super funny, but it's I think it's more or less his delivery and the way that he says it. Oh it's yeah, there's just, something about it because there's like a, a, so, some of those moments that it's like you don't even really hear the line very well, you know, or or his like speech is kind of slurred anyway. But uh, he's my favorite part of this movie, and I'll I'll be honest, you know, spoiler alert, but I was pretty disappointed. That was that was my my big disappointment. In this movie yeah. it turned out that he was one of the one of the bad guys one of the ones behind everything yeah. that was going on. Um, you know, my favorite line, and Joe Bob mentioned it too, but my favorite line, um, when they're, when Wolf Cops, you know, uh, beating everybody up in the barn, killing everybody, and uh, the the meth labs catches fire, and, and Will, Will, Willie's like, let's get out of here, grab some meth. <laughs> <laughs> when... When Lou tears that guy's face off in the barn, That's I don't know what awesome. is. I don't know what's better the the actual tearing or like Willie's reaction to 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 actually seeing it because his face is just like holy shit. That is my favorite effect in the movie is that face getting ripped off and then and it doesn't and the, end. Yeah, the guy keeps walking around. <laughs> he ends up at the car window where yeah. Willie's at and just no and, face and Willie. Willie turns the wipers on to get the face off the windshield, and he's just like, "Oh, that's fucking worse," because it's like smearing the blood all over the windshield. That that effect is so comic booky. I love it so much. It's a cool looking face. The face, you know, but but what's so unrealistic and so comic booky about it that I actually love is that that skull that's underneath there is perfectly clean. 
There's like no blood mm. on the skull whatsoever. <clears throat> Larry, what'd you think of this movie? Uh, <clears throat> I had a pretty good time with it when I first saw it, uh, when it came out. And uh, I like how they can make movies like this and have fun with something and have it come out and look as good as it does. Uh, I am sad that uh, Willie does is a bad guy too. I was kind of pissed off about that because I like that actor. Uh, he was in what Final Destination two, mm. and he's like, uh, <clears throat> he's he's of course he's one of the guys who dies in the beginning with all those logs falling off the truck. And he, and he was like a real shitty dude too. He like was doing blow and he was driving his uh, Trans Am, I think. And uh, so yeah, I liked his character in that one. And so transitioning to this film, oh yeah, also he's in what House of the Dead too. Um, nice. Uh, also, I mean, not the second House of the Dead oh. movie, which is actually better than the first House of the Dead movie. That's got to be. If that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's, the, he's the hero in that movie too, so it's it's. So I guess he's got some range there from uh, going to Uva Ball movies and all the way to <laughs> Final Destination. But yeah, I, I I do like this movie. It's I don't think it's the greatest, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's that whole segment in the movie where um, they trick out the police car um, yeah. to, to into the wolf car. What are you shaking your head at? No. Keep going. It's just so it's so metal and awesome and fun and 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 B movie and and again comic booky and you know Willie's kind of like his like little sidekick and so I mean I could just watch the whole movie of that. I like how they took the 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 police lights and, and turned it Mohawk style Mohawk style on the top of the <laughs> car. So for I know what I know what you're thinking and I approve. <laughs> but the but the thing is, I mean, after you see like that urinal scene, which is so gnarly, and you see a, you know his freaking dick explode in his hand, you know. But I mean, <laughs> apparently it grows. But you know, you're you're looking at this uh, the body shop scene or whatever, you know, which you know when they're tricking out the car would take weeks upon weeks to do. <laughs> but I mean, you're having so much fun, you don't even care that that you know they did it like. In that montage, it made it seem like it lasted like you know half an hour that they were able yeah. to like remove the doors, paint paint the car, you know, and put fins on it and shit, you know. But you don't even care because you're having so much fun with this movie by then, you know. It, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to a place you know that has liquor donuts and you know uh, they have a drink and shoot, you know? <laughs> they like they they. I mean, they have uh, a town with the police board ad actually advocates, you know, drinking and and weapons. You know, just yeah, go out and have a good time. That's why I really want to see another wolf wolf cop because we already have the origin, right? So now we can just and I'm hopefully I hope this is the direction that they go. They just go kind of just all out with wolf cop mayhem and action. So. I do want to see Willie's uh, Bigfoot sex tape, though. Uh, that needs to come into play. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Jason, I, I sh maybe shouldn't bring this up on the show because it's it's really kind of just we're the only two that's going to have any context for this. But the female police officer Tina, both times both times I've seen this movie, you know, the first person I think of when I see her, who, and especially in that cop uniform. Uh, uh, Sean from um, The Offering. Yep. I thought that too. 
kind of looks like it a little bit in some of the, you know, that cheekbone, mm-hmm. but so, and then just in that cop outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Someone we knew anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, no context for anybody else. But. I wished I'd have seen this. This was my first time watching it. I wished I would have seen it with more people. I think it'd be more. It, I think it would have been because watching it by myself, I felt like it was not as. Uh, it, the flow, like once it got to the cool stuff, the cool stuff was awesome, but the flow between scenes and you know just I I, I don't know it, it seemed a little clunky. So like I think if I was in a party crowd type situation, it would have flowed and felt like that kind of party movie that I thought it was, and it the moments are there for, but. That's why, you got, that's why you watch it with Joe Bob. <laughs> that helped. That helped. For sure. uh, I see what you're saying because um, the first time I've watched this all the way through is when when they first aired the the Joe Bob version, yeah. and uh, and so this is only the second time I watched it. But like when it first came on Shutter, I tried to watch it and I couldn't get very far. I, you know, it seemed to just kind of drag on in the first act and like. I just reach a point where I'm just like, okay, I get it. He's an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. The good stuff's great, though. I just, yeah. For me, it was just a little more about the flow. But, but and it's, it's cool. And it's a Canadian production as well. Yep, and it's cool that they won a contest to get it made, and, and that's super cool. And, and I like the audio of this movie. It's Again, it's like, it's all post-audio. You know, the, all the dialogue is is overdubbed, and the fact that it's Canadian production, you know, it really it also kind of really reminds me of like uh, uh, Astron Six. Yeah, well, kind of a mix of Astron Six with the director of the Harry Knuckles movies. Oh, it's on Shutter. Go watch it. Yeah, with Joe Bob. Yeah, you get a month for free. That's right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so. Let's get into um, our next film we're going to talk about concerning cops. Uh, Andy, what movie is that? We are going to talk about a Larry Cohen film, R.I.P., Maniac Cop from 1988. There's someone out there. No one knows his name. No one knows his face. Oh, no. But now, the most terrifying man in the city carries a badge. Head was unstable and it was a deceleration injury. As in your old hanging. You really think a cop did this? Why not? Would you automatically assume that it was a police officer instead of some lunatic dressed up like a cop? Fight squad. He'll kill again. He enjoys killing. He strikes without cause, without mercy. He may be getting information from inside the department. That means he is one of us. You see, you can't. You crossed to the other side of the street. You're not gonna get me. Everybody who wants to shoot a cop nowadays has got one hell of an excuse. This one is my personal life, any of your business. Since your wife was found dead in the motel room. You gotta be wrong. You wanna see the pretty picture? 
where I could see them. Hold on, I, I didn't do any of this. When a cop turns killer, you have the right to remain silent forever. Maniac Cop. Starring Tom Atkins, who you may know from Night of the Creeps, Halloween Never heard 3, of <laughs> Escape from New York, Bruce Campbell, I have no idea who that is either, uh, Laureen Landon, who was in America 3000, big fan of canon films, uh, Richard Roundtree, you may know him as Shaft, and Shut Robert, exactly. <laughs> he's a bad mother. And Robert Zadar, uh, who plays the, well, maniac cop Matt Cordell, who was also in another cop movie, Tango and Cash. And uh, oddly enough, he was a legit police officer in Chicago at one point. And this guy has an even bigger, even bigger chin than Bruce Campbell. So, I mean, he, was, he wasn't alone. Two biggest chins in the business. Exactly. And I believe Robert Zadar passed away a couple of years ago as well. So Yeah. Uh, anyway, the story goes like this. Uh, random people are being murdered by a uniformed police officer on the streets of New York City. A veteran in- investigator, Frank McRae, played by Tom Atkins, is given the case. As, you know, the body count increases, a young cop, uh, Jack Forrest... Who, uh, played by Bruce Campbell. Uh, he has marital problems, and he is placed under arrest as the chief suspect. <clears throat> as, as set up by the actual killer and an unknown female tipster. Uh, Forrest's uh, girlfriend, or mistress, Teresa, played by Laureen Landon, is also a cop. She joins uh, Atkins, McRae, in the attempt to stop the maniac cop, uh, played by Robert Zadar, before he strikes again. Um, tell you what, this is really not a uh, thinking man's horror movie. I mean, this is—it's <laughs> it, not. It's—it's—it's it's, it's pretty much just you know meat and potatoes. I mean, basically, basically what I what I just said. It's—I—I—I uh, I, I don't want to say that it's. Uh, I don't want to say that it's bland. I mean, because you know, I you know, but it's not really it's not really flashy either. Uh, it's just you know a very it's a very generic uh, horror movie. Uh, we we also see a brief cameo by Leo Rossi from uh, Halloween uh, Bud from Halloween Two. He plays the mayor's aide. Uh, well, okay, so you say that it's 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 um, kind of bland, but it is total Larry Cohen writing for sure. Like if you yeah. watch a if you watch like any of his horror any of his horror films, they're just like this, where there's so much more focus put on put it on the whodunit storyline, or you know the red herrings, and just following following the police or the detective or the FBI agent or whoever trying to 
unravel what's really going on. And the whole horror element almost takes a backseat to that, I feel like, in a lot. Because, you know, you, you think of a movie with a title like Maniac Cop, it's going to be like a Friday the 13th slasher, and it's not like that at all. Yeah, the majority yeah. of the movie is spent with Tom Atkins just trying to to solve this case, trying to figure out what's going on. And then you get, then when you throw Bruce Campbell into the film, and, uh, you know, and, you know, pacing wise, it's a little weird because, you know, spoilers, you're following the first half of the movie with Tom Atkins. <coughs> And then he's out of the picture, and then you're, and then the rest yeah. of the movie's following Bruce Campbell, who doesn't get introduced until like after the first act of the movie. But when you introduce Bruce Campbell, then it, <coughs> then it just turns into this whole other movie <coughs> about like this guy being wrongfully accused of a, a crime yeah. he didn't commit and being you know a cop on the force and all this that and the other thing. And honestly, you don't get a whole lot of Robert Zadar in this movie. Uh, no, yeah, you barely, you barely see him except for um, uh, f- flashbacks. But in terms of um, Bruce Campbell's character arc, it almost plays like a uh, like like an old film noir. You know, like a guy that has you know he meets this you know this this girl. Who like this femme fatale who's Lauren Landon, but she's not really the one that's. She does kind of cause trouble in his life, but she's also there, also there to help. It, it, it's 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 a weird uh, dynamic. Uh, See, but and, and that's what I like about Larry Cohen's horror films, though. It's because it's it's as if it's as if he's taking the universe of cop drama movies and whodunits. And then throwing the most ridiculous horror concept in there that he could think of, like cue the winged serpent. You know, it's this yeah. it's this cop crime drama where it just so happens that the 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 um, solution to the mystery is a giant freaking flying winged dinosaur flying around New York, or this one it's an un you know it's an unstoppable killer cop. You know, or you know the It's Alive movies. It's it's a mutant baby going around killing people. So. That's what I love. He, because uh, to, to me, it's like he's he's writing this like <clears throat> this like serious stuff, but but putting it in the universe of total off the wall B movie nonsense. Yeah, um, the the one things that I did like about this movie, um, in, I thought that the uh, the SWAT van wreck, you know, with you know the the tube going through his chest and just, just the wreck itself was pretty impressive and. You know the guy doing the stunt that flipped off the truck, uh, that was supposedly uh, Bruce. You know Bruce Campbell's character. Uh, I thought that was actually pretty impressive. Even you know e- I think it's impressive now. Uh, even even back in '88, that looked that looked really good. Um, I will say this: that uh, Robert Zadar's you know facial snarls when he's like you know trying to look all sinister, hilarious. <laughs> okay, I laughed every time that he's like showing his teeth and going, ah, ah, and doing all this shit. I'm just like, all right, yeah, that might have freaked me out a little bit when I was like seven, but now it's just hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's like I said, it, it's it's very basic, but I mean, I I do like it. Uh, you have got you've got uh, cameos by the director. Uh, he plays the hotel manager. He doesn't have any lines. And William Lustig, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and Jake LaMotta, who was uh, the main character of uh, from the movie Raging Bull, uh, he plays a detective in this movie. I mean, it's very, very short, but he's actually uh, William Lustig's uncle. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, just just interesting stuff that I was able to find out about it. Uh, well, and of course, you got Bruce Campbell bringing... And Bruce Campbell gets cast in the movie, and he has to bring his friends along. You got that cameo by Sam, Sam. Raimi as the TV yes. reporter. You got Dan Hicks in there as well as as the, the squad leader. You know, Robert Zadar really isn't good in, in prison fights. I think he loses a lot of those. <laughs> See, we got Tango and Cash. He didn't look so yeah. good either. <laughs> but uh, Buck Flower, I think, is in Yeah. Buck's in it, too. Oh. Yep, he yeah, is. That's right. <laughs> um, old Buck. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I, th- I remember watching this movie probably late 90s when I finally did. And um, I haven't watched it since then, and I finally watched it a few days ago for, for the podcast. And there's just one scene that really took me out of the movie real early is when um, when uh, the detective first goes uh, to, the, to the morgue. And uh, the coroner, you know, they're having that conversation of how she died and everything. But the coroner isn't eating anything, and that's usually a staple of the 80s and 90s horror <laughs> movies. The coroner is always eating, like, a sandwich or, or chicken yeah. wings or something. Or uh, Jason Voorhees' heart. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you saw in, in Wolf Cop, actually, the, the coroner yeah, there. Was, he was eating was a goddamn sandwich, too. Uh, uh, fucking uh, coroners. I, so let you down, huh? Yeah. I think the guy in uh, Friday, uh, the final chapter, when they bring Jason into the morgue, he's eaten too, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watch, almost, I swear, nine almost. out of ten times yep. when you go and see a movie, the, the, the coroner's always eating. Swear to God, from that the era of time. So crazy. Let's look at uh, Night of the Creeps. Another yeah. one. He's always eating. Uh, and Fletch, too. I think the the, the guy that was perform, you know performing the surgery... Yeah. Uh, dead alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nine out yeah. of ten. This was a uh, first watch for me. It's oh. one of those ones that has I've sort of put on the back burner several times and just never got around to watching it. Uh, I don't see myself putting this one back on anytime soon. It what? wasn't that. It wasn't bad, but man, it's it's like. Uh, having all the right recipe, all the right ingredients for a great recipe, and then you like don't cook it right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, it's you, undercooked. So, yeah, there's just so much great. Like there's so much potential there, and it just doesn't. Some like I think it's the pacing that just throws me off. I just it feels like a sort of a waste of Atkins and Campbell. That's that's pretty, I, that's pretty much how I feel. I I. I I I hate to say it, Mike, but I think it's I think it's Larry Cohen. I think the Larry Cohen. I don't think it's writing? Bill Lustig. I think it's the writing. I think this script could have used uh, several more drafts. Like, I, it's so freaking clunky. I I can't. I don't want to be negative, but like I can't stand like uh, Atkins. Like, just knowing who it is right away, and it's like. I, I think that almost everything that Atkins says in this movie is is just not good. 
or, you know, he's just, I don't know. And, and I really, I really have a hard time with, uh, Laureen Landon's acting too. I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was, I can, I'll, I'll say that she was, she was, I was hard. Not very Everyone good. else, I, I, but there's so many things I like about this movie too. And I think that's the good Bill Lustig stuff. It's got that wonderful, she's, Dirty New York, yeah, I think it's scuzzy New York. Yeah. I think it looks everything looks great. It's filmed super well. I think he did the best he could. I think it's in the writing. I think it could have used. I just it's so clunky to me. Hmm. It's so clunky. See, I, I know that's sacrilege to say. I know, but uh, no, it's, it's interesting because it, it, my thing is, if I were to call any of Larry Cohen's. Film, horror films that he's written to be clunky I'd and I love the movie don't get me wrong but I would say it's the stuff but like I never hear anything negative about the stuff but let me watch it not a skin well we did watch it a long time ago we did a yeah. commentary episode uh-huh. Wait, that was like a, probably first one ever we did uh, but but go back and watch it though and I always felt like maybe that was more of Larry Cohen's directing um, the movie, the the movie, the pacing of the stuff is just is all over the place, and I've only accepted it as the fact that I feel like the whole movie is just farce, and maybe that's why no one no one picks on that movie. But you, you just is, talk about messed up pacing and and yeah. and clunky. It, it the stuff is it's, it feels like it's it's on the level of almost like Edward bad continuity. Yeah. From scene to scene, I, I get that here though too. I think every every line of Tom Atkins is painful. Like it's, I feel bad for him having to say these words and trying to make this work. And you're like, we're not even there in the story yet, and he's having to say these things. And and it, I don't know, I don't know. It's Tom Atkins, so I'll watch it and I love it. But I I almost feel like this movie would have worked better if it was set in like uh, a smaller setting, like not not New York City. No, and don't get me wrong, I love like scummy New York City movies, but I mean, I think it would have worked better if it was like in like a smaller. Yeah, maybe it was too big. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it would have worked better that way, and I think it would have been if you would have taken the gum out of Lorraine Landon's mouth because she chews it like a cow. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, 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 I tended to agree with you guys. I mean, like I just needed more drafts because the yeah. idea is awesome. And like it, it oh, fucked yeah. up, it fucked up the eighties for cops. I mean, this, I still think it was a very big deal in the bad PR for police, this kind of movie what? and set some like stereotyping and some wives taily. I don't know what. This is a movie that could be the R word today and be way too relevant. The R word? Are you trying to figure out the R word? Yeah. I'm not saying the word remake anymore. Oh, right. No. <laughs> gotcha. A new, a new version a of, of uh, yeah. Maniac Cop. It could. But, I mean, do you think it... Uh, do you think it could be called Maniac Cop today and have people Ugh, like uh. want to go see I mean cuz child's play, you know, that still works. That still that still resonates. You know, but I'm not you know, sure PC would let it happen, yeah. 
you know, I don't think, you know, somebody would want to go see. Let's go see Maniac Cop. The new. Because they had a hard enough time with that Bruce Willis remake of the oh, Death, of, Wish. Um, Death, Death Wish. Wish. That was hard enough to get through everybody. Ugh. I think you would. I think just based on the surface, if there was a updated version of Maniac Cop, I think there'd be more resist. I think there'd be more resistance from the police community than yeah. there would be the no- than there would be from oh, yeah. normal citizens. But one of the things that I think a movie like this would have the potential in the um, political clim- climate of today is to show both sides. You know, because. It kind of does it a little bit here, not enough, where this what this cop killer is doing to the reputation of the of the actual honest, hardworking police uh, police of New York, and they address that a couple times. They don't get into it much. It's, it's kind of throwaway dialogue. Um, so that's where I think like it could be a you know a pretty cool updated version to uh, to address both sides of it. So. They could call it like serve and protect or something. Kind of, I, I don't know, like something like that's like police oriented. Oh, that's all propaganda anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't get into it though. But did, so did he? But if he's, but if he's not dead, then how did he take all them fucking shots? And be fine. Because he's the maniac cop. Yeah, but he's not supernatural. <laughs> he's supernaturally crazy. He definitely is in part two. And three. Well, they probably shot him in the chin and it just ricocheted off. <laughs> <laughs> it's that whole thing of like, you know, Friday 13th, 2 through 4. You know, J. A normal human Jason would not have survived the damage that happens to him, especially in part three. I mean, he gets hung by the neck and an axe to the head, and he's and he's and he wakes up just fine in the morgue at the hospital in part four, and no one complains about that. So, coroner shared his sandwich with him. <laughs> Probably. <yeah. laughs> So yeah, so I'm getting a, a general not so much on this movie. I love this movie. I I don't hate it. I mean, it's uh, I saw it when I was probably ten, and I I don't know. I mean, it it holds a special place because I thought it, I thought it was actually pretty cool when I was ten, <laughs> but. Uh, I mean, I I don't hate it. I mean, it's got a lot of people in it that I really, you know, really like. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's... But I'm kind of with, like, Jason with this one. It could have been so much better. Larry, were you saying something about the sequels? I thought I heard you start to say something. Yeah, have any of you guys watched the sequels? I haven't. Nope. I've seen two. I don't think I've seen three. I don't remember, but... I mean, Robert is in the third one. Who's in the uh, third one? Robert Davey from Goonies. He was one of the brothers. The one, the guy with all the, the, the fr- fucked up skin on his face. Oh, uh, yeah. The Fratellis. Fratelli, yeah, one of the Fratellis. Um, it was not yeah. Joe Paneliano. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I I know that in the second one, Claudia Christian's in it, and I I I actually saw it not that long ago, and but you know, Robert Zadar, uh, Matt Cordell, Maniac Cop, whatever you want to call him, he like puts her in this car, right, and he handcuffs her to the steering wheel, and the car's in like neutral, and he like pushes the car, like, you know, down the road. So it, like, p- starts picking up, ste- uh, up steam. But the thing is, she's, like, outside of the car. So she's kind of got to run along the side with it, you know, because this, you know, this car's, like, careening out of the way. And it, literally, I laughed my balls off when I saw this scene because this, this car hits this jump, right? I mean, it, like, flies <laughs> into the air, right? And when it lands, it looked like it would have tore her arm the fuck off but and like a minute later she's like dusting herself off and fine because the car's like skidded to the stop i mean it was it just looked absurd but i I, i've actually grown to love that scene now because it looked like it just would have it just would have just ripped her arm just totally off it was great anyway that's my sense (laughs) (laughs) and claudia christine's Claudia Christian's really easy on the eyes, so you know, watch Arena. Oh yeah, love Arena. Amen. <laughs> All right, well, I think that does it for Maniac Cop, and that does it for our films that uh, that we're going to talk about when it comes to cop horror films. But does anybody have any honorable mentions? I will say um, not. It's not really a horror one per se, but it's more sci-fi. I'm a big fan of "I Come in Peace." Oh yeah, you yep. go in pieces, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, it's got like that. He's got like that shrimpy little guy for a partner for that guy from uh, Dream On. Remember yeah. that show? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I'll say uh, Summer of 84 is a recent one that we've talked about several Ooh. times but yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the, it's a great the, one uh, sort of like a, last year. a believable maniac cop you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> smaller chin yeah <laughs> a couple I jotted down um, Highway to Hell which we did not too long ago on the show yeah that's a good one oh and, yeah Hell Cop yeah, good old hell cop. And uh, Scanner Cop. Can't forget about Scanner Cop. Cyborg Cop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I've seen it. Uh, and then Psycho Cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vampire Cop. I'm just naming stuff now. I don't. <laughs> Z- Z- zombie Cop. Yeah. Right. Waffle Cop. <laughs> Waffle? What? What? I just want waffles. Shark cop. There should be. Oh, there should be, right? Oh my god, let's do it. <laughs> well, there is there is a comic book called Axe Cop. <sighs> which is like the greatest comic book ever because Whoa, comic book geek. Well Bold statement. Because the guy who the guy who uh, made it basically just took everything he basically let his uh, like nine year old son, I think just like rattle off ideas and made a comic book around it. So it, it's freaking bizarre and doesn't make any sense and this is full of crazy messed up characters. 
But that's because Dr. it's Doo-doo all because and... it, yeah, because it's all from the brain of a child, and I think that's genius. There's an avocado soldier with a unicorn uh, horn. Exactly. What the fuck are that's, you talking about? That's how <laughs> it's this comic book that is just batshit crazy because it's like the, the you know the ramblings of like this. I, I think he was younger than nine. I think he was Probably. like a five, six-year-old, you know, that's just like, okay, and Axe Cop has to fight the evil Dr. Doodoo, you know, and it's just literally like this pile of shit. That, <laughs> that he, that, that's his arch nemesis. It's, it's great. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, uh, what's that? No, I don't think he was a cop. I'm thinking of Jax from Mortal Kombat. No, Striker from Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, Striker. <laughs> the worst character ever in Mortal Kombat. Striker. Ted Striker? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, he's a pilot. Yeah. With all these, this talk of cop movies, you know, and with the bonus episode and everything in horror films... I'm surprised no one has brought up the bumbling cops from Halloween 5. I, I almost was going to pick them for my bonus episode. Because I always liked them, guys. And oh, they yeah. get the most shit. Yeah. And they well, say that ruins the movie for people. And I'm like, come on, they're fucking hilarious. And they're, and they're awesome. I love them. They're one of my favorite things about the movie. I mean, it doesn't help that the music score turns into, I like, that part. goofy well, I like music. It too. Oh, I like, I like that, too. Don't get me wrong, right. but... It doesn't help their their no. plight any. Uh, oh, the ranger. The ranger. Well, you did. You, uh, Sh- Sheriff Meeker's Sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <it's> Sheriff <laughs> Meeker's daughter at Halloween Palooza last year too. So yeah, that's right. We she did. does it by the book. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, I think that uh, wraps up our conversation about cops and horror films. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll do some segments. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. So it's the segments time. Some segments going on here. How about some segments? We should do some segments. How about we start with one segment called Shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! Hey everybody, it's time for everyone's favorite shout-out. So we asked, what's your favorite horror films to revolve around the police or law enforcement officers? And here's what we got. On Facebook, Nick Leadham says, for some reason, Dead Heat is the first thing that popped into my head. Damn right? it, Nick! How did I not think uh, of fucking Dead Heat? I know! I love that movie! <laughs> he loves that movie. <laughs> and somebody said something about Zombie Cop earlier. Boom, there you go. 
Uh, Treat Williams heat. is the original zombie cop. He is. You love that movie. I fucking love that movie. So good, guys. Uh, Amber Robinson says, does Hot Fuzz count? Sure, because it's got there's yeah. a lot of nods to like Italian Jallo in that movie, and the movie, the movie, even though it's a comedy and it's a comedy about uh, a comedy satire on cop movies, it's gory as fuck. Oh yeah, is it gory as fuck? It's gory as fuck. Well, that's cool. Which fits more into horror than it does comedies or cop cop uh, films. So it totally counts. True. Up uh, next, we got Vito Marchese. He's from Geeking Poetic Podcast on the PFPN. Awesome. He says, Maniac Cop. All three of them. Even the voodoo one. <laughs> Which I think was three, I think. He loves his cheesy stuff. Ba- badge of Silence, right? That was the tag. The tag <laughs> oh, really? Tag. Yeah. I, I think that's the, what it's called. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it's called. I, I do enjoy the, the, the Maniac Cop's tagline. You, you have, have the, the right, right to remain silent <laughs> forever. <laughs> How dumb. It's so great. <laughs> Only in the 80s. <laughs> Thanks, Vito. Uh, up next, we got Brian McNeil says, Last Shift. Oh, that's the I one about the, about the haunted uh, police station. Like yeah. satanic. Yeah, I remember seeing the pentagram yeah. on the cover, right? Still haven't seen it just because... Yeah, it didn't seem that interesting at the time, but the picture, some of the pictures with the, yeah, looks cool. I maybe I do have to I do have to interrupt because I have another uh, honorable mention myself. <laughs> okay, and it's uh, it should have been put into the uh, bonus uh, bonus episode because it's not horror, but <laughs> somebody should have said assault on precinct thirteen. Uh, yep, good one. Yep. True that. Up next, we got Tim Lennerer. He's from the Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie on the PFPN <laughs> Podcast Network. He says, Revolve Around is a bit of a stretch, but the SWAT team attacking the housing project at the start of the Dawn of the Dead is perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, then in two, and then two deserters from the Popo are two of the main characters for the rest of the film. True that. It's pretty good. Yes. Then we got uh, Noah Schmitz says the Tales from the Hood story, Rogue Cop Revelation. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, that's good, right? That's a good one. Good call, Noah. Yeah. Um, Amber Robinson says Thirty Days of Night. Fuck yeah, yeah, of course. And there you have your vampire cop right there at the end. There it is. Yay! <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Uh, she also comes back with The Crazies, at least the remake, with Timothy Oliphant. True that. Mm-hmm. Filmed here in Iowa. That's right. Sure was. Just down the road. I mean, it's a long ways down the road, but it was down the road. <laughs> uh, we got... Oh, she's not done. She says seven. Ooh, yeah. What's yep. in the box? That's Ooh. horror, right? It counts. It counts. Get over it. Let's it's not it's all be ho- freaking... All right. Somebody says the TH word. Okay, we're moving out on. Out of here. Moving on. We got Andrew Moeller says Sheriff Hoyt from the Texas Chainsaw remake. Sheriff yeah. Hoyt? Yeah. Saying what what way? Why are you sa- Okay, and then we got Johnny Zuko. He says End of Days. Yeah. <laughs> and The Cell. Ah. That's cop heavy, yep. 
He chimes back in and says, J-Lo plays a BAU agent in the cell. Yep. Then we got, uh, up next we got Peter Parker. Where's Spider-Man? Not Spider-Man. It's our newest and awesomest Patreon. Patreon supporter. Patron. How, how, how do you say his name again, Mike? <laughs> Can he make up for it last time? He gave you some shit. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it? Remember it? Um, I don't remember. This is... I don't remember. Peter Parker. He Peter says, Parker! Tick tock, tick tock. He says Baskin from 2012. Baskin? No? I haven't seen that yet. It's good ice cream. Let Us yeah. Pray from 2014. <laughs> Let Us Pray? No? No. P R E Y. And La Horde, a.k.a. The Horde, from 2009. Man, I hadn't seen that either. Jesus. Come on. He says, sadly, it will never be made into a feature-length film, but the Astron 6 fake trailer for Biocop has to be mentioned. I don't know that either. I'm an Astro fan. Oh, that one's one's right after Manborg. Oh. It, yeah, because Bandborg is only like 56 minutes, I think, and then that was added on to the end of Bandborg to make it like a full-length movie. Oh, okay. Any Manborg fans? No? I'm the only one. All right, cool. Keep <laughs> <laughs> it that way. It's good. We like Astron 6, though. It's I do like and, Astron you know, 6. I, ju- I just still haven't even watched Manborg. Rest in so. peace, right? They just called it quits, right, Tad? Yeah. That sucks. And he says his honorable mentions uh, for two of the most incompetent cops in horror movies, Marshall Anchor and Martin Cove, only credited as sheriff and deputy in Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left from 1972. Oh, good ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he became, but he became Sensei Kreese, so, you know. The two most inappropriate characters in a movie ever. <laughs> like, totally they do not belong in that movie. <laughs> no, and it's Roman Doppelfeld. That's his name. Anyway. That's right, Roman Doppelfeld. And then, lastly, on Facebook, we got Scott Alden, who's from the Movie Defenders podcast, newly acquired on the PFPN. He says Affleck was the bomb in Phantom Show, <laughs> <laughs> and he's right. Over on Instagram, we got Bump in the Night Podcast fourteen twenty eight says End of Days. That's from Zuko. Um, Slothman Prophecies Podcast says... I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, maybe this is a stretch, but Eight-Legged Freaks. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. And then this other guy you know, his name's Liarfish. Oh, fish, He says, nice. wait, well, for a film, the obvious answer would be Maniac Cop. As for my favorite character, I think it would have to go with Officer Dewey from Scream. Great character. There we go. You are right. How about Bats with Lou Diamond Phillips? Lou Diamond Phillips is awesome. Oh. No, he's horrible in that movie, man. That was a... Had to had to have been a paycheck for him. I've n- that is that is the worst. You can't hold on to an accent in any cinema, any movie ever. Yep. But and man, I'm terrified of bats, and I walked out of that movie just fine. But he's so good <laughs> in the first power as a cop. I'm not not knocking Lou Diamond Phillips. Why well, I am for that movie, but 
Like, I love him in most anything else. Okay. What about Silent Hill? Oh, yeah, with, um, what's her name from, uh, from The Walking Dead? Yeah, she she was that, the cop in that. Didn't that just Andrea. come out? Didn't it just come out Andrew, on uh, yeah. Scream Factory? Or is coming out? Yeah. It I did. Think, I think probably tomorrow, maybe. Yeah. And don't, don't you know who did the edited the special features for that? Yeah, I do know who edited the special <laughs> features for that. Okay, moving on. I don't know if I want to say it out loud, because oh. I, I think uh, Scream Factory's Insane mad at me. Mike did. Check it out. Okay, and then over on Twitter, we got Chris Cook at Counting Cook says... The movie doesn't revolve around him, but Ben Meeker, Sheriff Meeker from Halloween 4, is awesome because cops do it by the book. <laughs> yep, yep. Matt Rawlings says, he's got a couple here. He says, um, 10 to Midnight. Heck yeah. Hey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he says, Charlie Bronson. He <laughs> says, also, Citizen X. And that's at Pastor Matt R. Then we got Cass D., at Jelly Beats uh, says Murder by Numbers. Sandra Bullock. And then we got Huh Podcast. <laughs> at, at Huh Podcast says Silent Rage with Chuck Norris. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> oh my god, yes! <laughs> I fucking love Silent Rage. Oh, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. It's Chuck Norris versus Michael Myers. What's not to love? Yeah, how could you not like that movie? And you know he's not the best cop in that movie. Uh, his his deputy, played by uh, um, uh, William Hurst, is the best cop in that movie. Silent Rage. Good pick, huh? Podcast. Yeah, huh? I like that pick. That's H three U's and another H. Okay, then we got Consider Cinema. At Consider Cinema says, I appreciate The Traveler with Val Kilmer. It also happens to be a Christmas horror film. That's from Jay. I don't know that mm. at all. Uh-uh, The Traveler. Val Kilmer. Uh-huh. Huh. We got customers also watched at CAW Podcast. They said, Violent Cop from 1989. Not horror, but pointing it out because it's on Shudder right now. Shudder! Shudder! Well, those are, I love those movies. Those are the, like the Japanese gangster movies. Oh, all oh, right. By, um, what's the, ah, what's his name from Battle Royale? The guy who's, has, uh, can't speak out of the side of his face, uh, Takeshi <laughs> Kitano. Oh, okay. It's one of his movies. Um, you should check out those outrage films. They're really cool, like, Japanese gangster films. Sweet. I've seen one. I keep meaning to click on them when I'm scrolling through yep. Shutter, but yeah, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Hard Boiled's another good cop movie too. Oh yeah, oh, that's favorites. I saw that in the theater. Whoa. Yeah. Everybody yeah. talks about how awesome Die Hard is. Well, they wouldn't have Die Hard if it wasn't for Hard Boiled. I'm just saying. Truth. And then lastly on Twitter, we got. Rick Wright, that's W-R-I-G-H-T, at Rick Wright Now, says, Maniac Cop and Scream. And if you want to, you can always leave us a voicemail, and we'll play that on the show. You can call us at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. 
Leave us your comments, and we'll play that shit. And that's shout-outs. So we talked on this on this episode about Tom Atkins, because he's a maniac cop. Yeah. And we we mentioned Night of the Creeps when we talked about Slither. Right. So how can we have not brought up Tom Atkins as Detective Ray Cameron from Night of the Creeps? That is Real my man. cool motherfucking cop right yep. there. So many cops. So many cops. Well, that's right, kiddies. It's not over yet. We got one more segment. It's everybody's favorite segment, Insane's Picks. Yeah, I should have told you to um, say uh, it. You know, it's the last segment because Tad said it's the first segment oh. for what we watched. And yeah, anyway, so it says picks for this episode. I'm going back to the shot on VHS well from the from the '80s, and that's 1986. This is probably one of the more bizarre uh, films shot on VHS, uh, just mostly because I can't figure out what their intention was when they made this movie but it's from 1986 it's called splatter architects of fear and so and i was i hadn't seen this i used i remember renting this way back in the day and i made a i may have made a copy of it for myself uh with two vcrs and so i've i've watched it several times but i haven't seen it in forever so to do some quick research uh i went searching for it and it is in full on um, on YouTube, so you can check it out on YouTube. But I will warn you now: the audio quality is horrible. There is a high pitched hiss throughout the whole thing. Um, it's really quiet, and it must be in mono, maybe. Well, maybe probably not even that because it would only come through one, uh, only um, the the left channel, uh, my left earbud on my headphones when I was when I was watching it. So it was rather annoying trying to watch it with headphones. But what the f is Splatter Architects Fear? Um, it, is it a post-apocalyptic um, the uh, men through versus the women, the male mutants <coughs> versus the female Amazons, or is it a poor man, poor man's Quasimodo by the name of Fang? Hanging out on a movie set, uh, being the lackey for the special effects artist? Or is it a pseudo-documentary about the making of a low-budget post-nuke sci-fi action splatter movie? Well, the answer to all three of those questions is yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is all three of those, and I cannot decide which one they were originally making in the first place. So the movie kind of starts off with um, one of these female Amazons, and there's like narration about you know it's the year twenty whatever, and you know it's a post-apocalyptic world, and the Amazons versus the mutant, blah 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 blah, and and it has like uh, you know this guy that's tied down and one of these Amazonian women, who everybody in this movie dresses as if they were um, not hired. Uh, as some of the punks from class in Newcomb High. Um, and she comes up to him and, <coughs> and gouges out his eye, his eye with some pickaxe or, or uh, ice pick. And you're like, cool, you know, gore right off the bat. And what is this movie? And then, like, 
all of a sudden we get this narration from this British guy who's talking about, uh, don't worry, it's not real, it's just special makeup effects, and going into this whole thing about um, Hollywood and how films are made, and all of a sudden you realize this isn't a movie about the post-apocalyptic war between the mutants and the Amazons. It's a movie about them making a movie about the post-apocalyptic war between the mutants and the Amazons. But then right away, after we get the opening title, Splatter Architects of Fear, we're introduced to Fang, a hunchback with a fang tooth and messed up face that is hanging around this movie set as kind of a Phantom of the Opera type character. Uh, and he works for the special effects artist. And you're thinking, what is what what is this even this is this shit with Fang going on? So is he kind of like the goofy late night movie horror host that's gonna gonna you know lead us through the adventures of the making of this movie? Not really, because then we come back to the British narrator who literally narrates everything that's going on here as they show us how they do all the special effects for this film. <clears throat> Again. I'm going to reiterate, this is all shot on VHS. Mm. And the effects are not that good. So for a how-to video, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not very good. But and they, they cover everything from like talking about uh, candy glass, because there's a scene where somebody gets their head through a window, to doing audio effects like machine gun noises in post-production, um, to like how to do... You know, how they blew up somebody's, how they blew up one of the mutants' heads. You know, first they made a mold. And they show you this stuff. And there's no talking heads in this movie that's instructing you on how to do it. It's all just behind the scenes of the special effects artists doing these builds and and doing them on set. And, like, stunt coordinators teaching the actors how to do the stunt scenes. All with the narration of the uh, of the British narrator. <coughs> Um, and so it's really weird because then all of a sudden you'll get full scene, a full scene, like a five, ten minute scene of this post-apocalyptic war of the mutants versus Amazons. And so now all of a sudden it turns into a narrative story where like the, you know, these mutants are fighting Amazons and then, you know, you know, somebody gets their, you know, you know, chest cut open, or, or head is exploded, or you know, you know, some fighting's going on, and then when that scene's done, then they reverse back and show all the making of all the behind the scenes of this scene. So there's a full-on production going on of this this post-apocalyptic war. I mean, granted, it, everything in here is extremely low budget, but I, I you just lead to I'm just sitting there thinking. Were they trying to make this movie, and they ran out of money, and they gave up, so they, they didn't want to waste this footage, so they just turned it into a how-to video? Because that's how it comes across. And all the scenes, and it doesn't feel, to me, it doesn't feel like it's any of it's premeditated. Because even the scenes with Fang, are, you can tell that they're obviously forced in. That they're obviously done after the fact. Because he'll be standing there, um, doing something silly and goofy. <coughs> Um, behind the cam, you know, behind the scenes where the camera guy's at, the director's saying things, and then it'll cut to what from the other direction of uh, of uh, 
you know, um, like the stunt coordinator talking to an actress or whatever, and and the shots don't match. It's obviously obviously the stuff with Fang is shot on a completely different day. Um, but it's it's fun and it is kind of a cool little intro on special effects. You know, you can like take the advice of this on the basics on how this stuff is done and apply it and do it even better. At least that's what was my take take away from it. Um, you know, because again, some of the effects, some of, there's some effects in there that are pretty cool, but a lot of them are you know are not up to par and. Uh, especially if it's if it is intended to be an instructional video, um, it was it was a Canada production, and a lot of the, there's a lot of nudity in this film, so a lot of the uh, Amazon women that are in the movie were hired. Uh, they were uh, Toronto strippers that were hired for the film. Uh, so, yeah, it's all over the place, it's, it's a mess, but it's, I think it's a fun watch, um, it's got some creative stuff in it, and, um, you know, if, if you're looking into making movies, you can watch it, uh, watch it and learn something from it, uh, knowing that they're not, it's not necessarily done maybe the right way, but you could still take away something from it, um, the guy who plays Fang uh, must be related. His name is Paul Saunders, oh. and uh, and he actually had quite a decent resume before and after the fact, uh, like thirty six acting credits. And the one that really blows me away is the British narrator is a guy by the name of Chris Britton, who has like you know what was it like fifty some credits and some impressive credits there as well and so it's really weird that they're involved both of them who had seem to have legitimate careers because no one else in the cast even had pictures on imdb um that they uh uh were associated with this even the director peter rowe has done quite a bit of 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 directing work as well <coughs> and some recognizable stuff. And what's interesting is when I click on when I um, click on both Peter Rowe, the director, or Paul Saunders, the guy who plays Fang, and look at their personal videogra- uh, filmographies, Splatter Architects of Fear is not in their personal. Uh, it link uh, when you're on Architects of Fear, you click on them and it links to their pages, but those t- but that movie's not in either of theirs um, uh, credits. So that's interesting. Um, and it's pretty cool having this kind of like, you know, kind of a sophisticated narrator, this British narrator, um, narrating this thing, uh, and, you know, saying things like exploding heads and buckets of blood and, uh, gaping wound. So hearing a British narrator saying gaping wound is, um, (laughs) pretty cool. So, um... It is. It's only like I think like an hour, seventeen minutes, something like that. So it's 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 a short watch. Uh, it's kind of fun, you know. And hey, it's got nudity, it's got gore, um, and it's got fang. So I would check it out. Uh, you know, absolutely free on YouTube. Uh, Splatter Architects of Fear. Nice. I saw you watching a little when I got here, and yeah, it looked pretty kick-ass. Well, yeah, you you were <laughs> you came in at the right time. <clears throat> Yeah, so that's it. Yeah. That's this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to give a special thanks to Larry for Larry, joining us on this episode, back. man. Thanks, Larry. 
Awesome. Thank you. Once again, I love doing these uh, podcasts, and I love doing this show. Uh, yeah, I've done, it'll be three shows tomorrow that I've done uh, almost in a row here in the last, like, four days. So. Oh, Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, there's this other podcast I used to be on called uh, Pinheads of Horror, and uh, I got together with the guy who started that group, and we did it. Uh, an episode, and we haven't done an episode in probably a couple of years, so I uh, just put it up the other day. Send us uh, links, dang it. Yeah. Right. We'll yeah. do, we'll do. Um, yeah. So I got that, and then I'm doing my episode uh, for My Bleeding Ears tomorrow or, or Wednesday. Uh, and the movie's going to be The Last Boy Scout. Um, uh, why, don't you, why don't you give the uh, people listening uh, a pitch, uh, tell them a little bit about My Bleeding Ears. Oh, My Bleeding Ears is a podcast with my wife and I, and we go over uh, like movies that we've seen recently that go along with the genre of filmmaking, uh, like horror movies, action movies, sometimes some comedies, maybe a western or two, but mostly just horror and action and sci-fi. Um, we'll talk about the movies we've watched, and then I will always have a movie of the week where... Um, we'll try and find the best parts of that movie and talk about them a little more than wrapping on the film itself. And a lot of the times the movie is a film that I've watched a long time ago and it's kind of stuck with me for a reason. And I like to go back to that film and try and find out maybe why and why this film works and, and try and go against the grain with some of the other movies that maybe, um, a lot of other people didn't like and, Hopefully, I'm able to find some parts of those films that make it, can make it a redeeming film, and then um, make jokes too. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and we try and uh, do it weekly. Uh, we're nearing the hundredth episode pretty soon. I'm kind of spacing that out until the end of the year, so I can just make it a end of the year thing. But so far, it's been it's been going well. Jessalyn, my co-host and wife, has really been helping out. She does a lot of the uh, set up for the for each episode, she'll get all the information for for me and herself before we go up, and then she, uh, that really helps me get you know get like have my steps ready. So uh, so thank you to her, and uh, but yeah, I have just keep rolling along, man. We got uh, I got a bunch of other movies coming up too, like uh, like who's ever seen American Ninja Two? I have. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's leagues better than the first one, I have to say. So that's mm-hmm. why I want to. Uh, uh, do that movie pretty soon. It's just weird, kind of obscure stuff. Some like newer films that will come out, like we did Terrifier uh, when that first came out, and then we did the Fear Footage that movie when it first yeah. came out. Awesome. Uh, and then we'll do movies like um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or so we're all over the map with the films that we're doing. But it's I, I like the kind of variety. <clears throat> Sweet. Definitely awesome. love the show. Yeah, we love the show, and uh, yeah, definitely Aww. check it out, everybody. So cool! And again, thanks again, Larry, for being on. It's awesome. Oh, always no awesome problem. to talk to you. My pleasure, as always. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Thanks every everybody again for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can become a Patreon supporter. Uh, just go to patreon.com and backslash aotkp. And you can get a you can get more Attack of the Killer podcast in your life. That's what everybody needs. So, That's right. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Bye. Oh no! Could this be the end of?
Wow. Tag of the Killer Podcast. Tag of the